even just drilling the hole in a toilet door in a glory hole is like <laughs> that's there's something like i did this myself which for starters you know it's fresh which is always yep. a plus and secondly um it's it's it, there's a sense of achievement exactly i mean you brought your own duct tape you did to yep. smooth off the edges so yep. you know it's i mean it's everything you do everything you know it's just yeah drill the hole by that point yep. you've done everything yeah so. <laughs> drill the hole just smooth it down and then just go fishing just pop it through and go fishing see if you get a bite you just got to make sure you're on the right side yeah 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 definitely yeah you know yeah. You're stick your lips, lips through. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I got banned from the over seventies Domino Society. To be fair. Hello and welcome to the Too Much Time on Our Hands podcast. You are joining the awesome foursome for part two of a very exciting podcast. Basically, we asked you and we asked ourselves to rank the Star Wars films, all of them, including Solo and Rogue One, and also include the series, the excellent series, The Mandalorian, and rank them all in order of preference from number 12 all the way to number one. So, in the first part of this podcast, which you can listen to on all of the podcatchers that we're on, including Spotify and SoundCloud, you will find the first part of this, which dealt with the bottom six. And ironically, or un- completely unexpectedly, we had tons to talk about. This time we are dealing with the six top Star Wars films. I cannot wait to get into this because I'm hoping that this is going to be one of those wonderful podcasts where we talk about the reasons that we really genuinely love something. Um it's so easy to throw shit at the uh, Star Wars franchise these days <laughs> <laughs> after the rise of Shitewalker. Um, so it's great to be able to go for the top six. With no further ado, I'm going to hand you over to the man with all the statistics, uh, Dan. But I'm going to first of all introduce everyone, which is what I usually do. Hello, Dan. Hi, babes. Hello, Russ. Oh, hoy, hoy. Hello, Duncan. Hello, Tom. Hello all. Right, Dan, go on, you do your thing. Right, we're going to have a quick recap of the previous six films. And there's one thing I wanted to add as well, which was that uh, I was talking to someone that listened to the podcast, I know I'll listen to the next pod- part of the podcast. And and there is it is worth mentioning that even the six films that we didn't like, there is something magical about Star Wars. Just in general, as a franchise, there is something magical about Star Wars. Because he's, he's talking about getting his uh, daughter to watch the Star Wars films. Go through all the mm. Star Wars films and watch them. And, and it, it's weird, isn't it, that, that I, I would never, I'd never not recommend that to someone. I'd never not recommend someone starting at The Phantom Menace and working their way through all nine films. And they're bad films, but that yet yeah, just the Star Wars universe is magical and they're worth watching. All of them are worth watching. I think even when, lights even and when wizards, we say they're bad it? films, they're, they're, they're still, they are still enjoyable. I will happily watch The Phantom Menace or Attack of the yeah. Clones. Not yeah. all that often. But it's not, <laughs> it's not like it's a painful experience to watch. The other, no. the, other, the other thing is, I've got a great video. It's, it's six minutes, and it sums up what we spent about 20, 25 minutes talking about of uh, The Rise of Skywalker, about what they got wrong. I'll, I'll share it with you guys after this because it is absolutely brilliant. But so the, the previous six films, the, the ones that we judged as the worst Star Wars films, 
you get uh, to start from the bottom yep and work way up so the worst one attack of the clones we had as attack of the clones next up was the rise of skywalker then solo then phantom menace revenge of the sith i think we all agreed we actually quite like it's just got some yep. shonky bits in it um, and force awakens was where with the i think the force awakens is the cutoff point to okay these are actually quite good from now on so yeah so so the, the six we're about to talk about are the best ones obviously and the ones that we actually really really enjoy uh, just just to, uh, for to, to add this in the listeners they had phantom menace as their least favorite attack of the clones next the rise of skywalker after that solo uh, revenge of the sith then force awakens as well so at number six we ready excited i'm ready yeah yeah I'm vibrating with excitement. so excited number six is the last jedi so it's the last of the newer trilogy that we haven't spoken about yet um and in my opinion it is far and away the best one i'm only gonna say that yeah that the, the only sort of downside was the bit when rose and finn are on the the planet well for me the planet especially with the riding yeah Hmm. and because i like the casinos scene but it kind of just went on for a bit too uh too much but yeah it's a good that's that for me is the only real downside that felt like something straight out of the prequel trilogy didn't it yeah Yeah. so I'm actually Dan um, no to be fair I'd probably say it was the I think it's, it's my favorite because it did what I think the middle of a trilogy should do hmm. it felt exciting it felt like you knew there was going to be no real beginning and no real end to this one it was the it, this is the bridge this is what leads into the next one. You know, this is going to develop. It's going to move things forward. And actually, it was it was great to see new characters, mm. even though bits on the casino planet were a bit shit. And I don't really understand the whole why that whole side of the story really had to exist in it. What was nice about it was that it at least it did something. Mm. Like Force Awakens, Force Awakens was a very safe bet. Last Jedi felt like a real stride forward. Um, and you know, the, a lot of the characters were given a lot more depth and a lot more intelligent focus. Mm. You know, I mean, Kylo Ren and and um, and Ray were developed fantastically, and Finn was developed incredibly well. Poe was developed. Every yeah. every character was given agency, as if something big was going to happen next. And it actually end. It's one of my one of my favourite endings in all of Star Wars, as well. It's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely superb. It's just you have to detach it from what happened next. I, so I, I, it made me want Rian Johnson to do the whole trilogy because I would yes. love to have seen, I'd love to have seen more build up to bits like the bit where they were in the casino. What I like about what they did with the, the casino stuff was that this idea that there's all these rich people profiting off this war that's going on at the moment and it's just not affecting them at all. They're in this area where it's, it's not, nothing's happening. Yes, yeah, that's I a like really interesting idea for yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, that bit, that concept, yeah. I really like. It's, oh, well, it was the the escaping on all the mounts. That th- there was bits of it that I just thought because it was such a nice, the the concept, the mm. idea of trying to get the help and actually in the end getting sold out. Mm. But 
it was a it was trying to be a bit silly and sort of romantic without necessarily needing needing that but it, look it's like a minor it's the bit that sticks out it it's mm. only the bit that I, for me it took it away but sure. it's still an yeah. awesome Poe Dameron is a character that has a very definite arc in that film as well. So he starts off as this guy that no one can tell him what to do. He's going to do whatever, even if it means... uh, We'll get on to Cassian Andor in a bit, but there's an element of that, which is that these people are going to die, but they're going to die for the greater good, and we're going to stick our finger up at the the Empire by doing this. Um, And by the end of the film, he is a fully fleshed-out leader, uh, he he has he has he's he's kind of grown up, mainly down to the fact that several people and and the internet will have problem with the fact that it's a couple of women that have told him what to do, have 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 put him in his place basically and told him that that as fun as it is having this 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 reckless pilot that goes through does all these insane things and risks other people's lives, uh, the best thing they can do is survive and fight and, and live for the next fight, and that. Mm that is something that we've not really seen in a star wars film now add that into the fact that it gave this this film gave the whole trilogy just so just something different just just by making ray no one just like not related to anyone because then what we get from that is, well, we are all relevant to this fight. Everyone could be relevant to this fight. This could be happening on this planet. And it doesn't have, doesn't, just because you're not a Skywalker doesn't, doesn't mean you can't have some kind of relevance to this. Yeah, but it turns out, it, but it does help if you're a Palpatine. Which is, the, which is one of the reasons I hate the, the Rise of Skywalker, because they just it is back on it. A sh- it is a bit of a sh- that is mm. yes another shitty moment but yeah. yes because it gives the, it gives the concept I mean also how the ending mm. it shows anyone is a yeah. force user that which is you something broom. actually exactly which is something you don't see apart from in uh, going back to the mm. the prequels mm. you know, one to three you also see that anyone can be a force user which is really I suppose you you don't really mm. get that feel in the prequels that anyone's a force user because you're so used to this jedi council but Mm. it really comes across well in the last jedi it does so the other thing i I didn't like originally but someone has swayed me on this dan who's been on the pod several times now has swayed Mm. me on this that it that i i didn't originally like um benicio del toro's character and the the end of it but he he swayed me going isn't it just interesting to have this guy that just comes along just is a dick and then just gets away and then that's that well, he's he's yeah. almost got echoes of how han solo is originally yeah but like he's just in it to make it he's he's slightly more uh ruthless than but, han solo but he's got that sort of look i'm just looking after myself mate but then they turn it on his head and he just walks away with the money he, he, there's no rescue like in like in in new hope he just walks away with the money and that is something that, that I didn't originally like, but the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking Ryan Johnson's really trying to do something different with this film and really trying it, to take it in a new direction. Because mm. he's try, because I think he was trying to make the point mm. very well through that entire film that everything is blurred lines. Yeah. Every shade of shades of grey. The relationship between that link between 
Ray and and Kylo Ren, for instance, is a blurred line yeah. because they can see through each other and they can actually see each other's points of view. They are effectively the closest to grey Jedi that you've ever seen. They are neither inherently good nor inherently hmm. evil. Um, this... the, the line between Luke being the last Jedi master and being the saviour of the Jedi is now irrevocably blurred because hmm. he failed to do both. Um, you know, even Yoda is sort of like, well, you know, some things have to end, some things don't. There's, it's just blurred lines. It's the whole film is is basically yeah. about shades of grey and and no definitive sides. That effectively is what the whole casino planet is about. Is mm. that these are people who are just getting rich off the war. The war is just something that's happening between two factions. It's all blurred lines. One, it doesn't matter who. Some sell over here, some sell mm. to them, some sell to both. You know, who gives a fuck? It doesn't matter. And Benicio del Toro character, del Toro's character, walks away, just kind of going, "You might be right." You know, like it's just business, mm. kid. Mm. Just business. Like, yeah, it's it's um, and it's such a Star Wars thing that they they go looking for the code breaker, right? And the, the actual co-breaker is this suave, like, James Bond-like character. And the guy they get is the guy that will just eventually screw them over anyway. It's, it's, <laughs> such, a, it's, it's such a big part of that film. Is that, and so the other part of it is you've got Kylo Ren becoming what Kylo Ren should be before he goes back to being a bit of a whiny bitch in, um, in um, The Rise of Skywalker. You've got Kylo <sighs> Ren just, like, unshackling himself from anyone that has ever told him what to do, whether it is Luke Skywalker, whether it is the ghost of Darth Vader that's, that's kind of like been rattling around in his head, whether it's Emperor Snoke, who he kills in this film, which I'm sure J.J. Abrams was crying when that fucking happened. But, um, <laughs> but he kills and then he becomes the bad guy. He is this, this video that I will share just explains it perfectly when he it says he's got no one else to blame anymore for, for this happening. He is just him. This is him. And there's no one else that he can turn to to say this is their fault. He is just a bad person, basically, at that point. And it was setting up a third film where you've got Rey. You, you, you've met in the middle in The Last Jedi. And then you've got Rey taking one thing from everything that happens in that throne room. And you've got Kylo Ren taking another thing. It's completely different. Completely different viewpoints from the same event happening. And essentially becoming the 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 slightly lighter gray and then the 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 almost pitch black like gray on the other side as well and they fucked it up so much in the rise of skywalker yeah yeah they did and yeah. and to be fair it puts it puts everything that rise of skywalker puts everything that was good about the last yeah. jedi and actually why all the fussy man children that should have just yeah. shut the fuck up when the last jedi came out um, it puts all of their complaints to paid, really, because actually, you know, what were they complaining about? Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker is is a is a terrible waste of the film before. Yeah, because the film before was clever and tried to do something different. It actually tried to do something new with this with the mm. Star Wars formula, which actually is not to be discouraged. And even if even if the Last Jedi, even if people don't like the Last Jedi. It's done the hard work. It's ripped the band-aid off. It's let Star Wars be something a little bit different. So in the third film, you can come along and you can make whichever film you want. Mm. Because you've got The Last Jedi that's done all the hard work, that's upset everyone already. And then so you come in with the third film and you can do something with The Last Jedi, but you can do it in your own way. 
not completely wreck on the whole f- fucking film. I'm, and I'm, I'm a bit head up about this because I found out they are releasing the Snyder Cut of um, uh, Justice League. So it's coming out next year. We're getting the, the full-on Snyder Cut of Justice League that fanboys have been going absolutely apeshit. They, they're convinced that this is going to save the DC universe. This is the one version. Zack Snyder all, all that's going to do is just prove everybody right. Yeah. Zack Snyder's not a good director. So, like, what are they thinking is going to happen from this? This, this is a very dangerous precedent that's been set by releasing this, I think, in the sense that someone's vision, whether it be two people's vision, because rewrites reshoots happen all the time in films and we'll talk about one film coming up that rewrites and reshoots worked out probably for the better in the end um this was a complete film it was a finished film and the idea of re-releasing it with someone else's vision that wasn't there for the end and for very good reasons and i do feel bad for him it's just it just sets a very dangerous precedent that we're going to get other films where this will happen, where we're going to want... The, the only thing it should be, we should be getting is the butthole version of Cats, where they've, digit, they've still got all the buttholes in, in Cats. I need to see that version of Cats. That's the one version of Cats I want to see. I want to see them with assholes. But it's... Okay, yeah. but you are there just being a... Cro- you are... I'm getting told off. Um, I was just a bit... I was just a bit loud. Um... You are just then being a cross between Ben Kissel and Henry Zabrowski. Oh yeah, I just need to see those assholes. Sorry. I was also going to say, yeah. like, it's yeah. it's amazing how um, talking about a film you really like mm. feels like out of our comfort zone. <laughs> we have to talk about stuff <laughs> we, we hate. have to now start talking about stuff <laughs> that we fucking hate and that really pisses us off on a daily basis. I'm just um, going to say, how good were the bombers in uh, Last Jedi when you amazing. see the first yeah. bombers? Like, oh my days! They're sort of like B wings, but they're not quite B wings. And I mean, just how hard were you? Yeah, they were just... nice. And also, nothing wrong with how they drop bombs in zero no. gravity because there's gravity no. inside the ship. You fucking dingbats! And it's just they were just cool. <laughs> it was just yeah, it was just were. science because science, bitch. <laughs> But it was just... And also, since when has Star Wars ever worried about gravity? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if you're going to start picking holes in the reality of it, then you've got far bigger problems than yeah, that what... to worry about. Yeah, but in, what... in the context of Star Wars, there is nothing wrong with how they drop their bombs. No. And it no. looks fucking awesome as well. It looks really mm. cool. I mean, sorry, it does feel weird, mm. though, that they take such a technological step back from B-Wings um to like well uh, instead of delivering you know high-powered proton torpedoes and and, and you know whatever a pass oh, yeah. for a bomb we're mm. actually going to make a really rickety old you know it's like it kind of i know i know what they're trying mm. to do they're trying to they're trying to paint the resistance as plucky yeah. and underfunded and the underdog you know so underdog mm. that they they have to Des- fight around but despite the fact that the resistance is actually the government yeah but the government's been blown yeah. up at this point yeah, like, they they should they should just be. Why are they? The, the, this is never really established. But why are they? The, why are they not just the army? Because it's, that is true. Because the, none of them are actually in the army. The army are what became the first order. The answer is yeah. because it wouldn't be a good Star Wars movie yeah, if it was just the want, army. You want to be. You don't want to be supporting the Third Reich, do you? Let's be yeah. honest. You want to be supporting. Um, well, you want to be supporting the plucky underdogs. Apart from the Hugo Boss uniforms, yeah, mm. yeah, they look very snazzy. Yeah, but it's... I mean, look, look, this, this is the so thing what, so was... we've 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 kind of we've got like nine more of these to do. We we 
all broadly like this film? Or do we feel this has been slightly unfairly treated here and should be a bit higher? No. Well, I personally think it should be one higher because then it'll be in the right place according to my list. I, and it'll I, be in the right place in the rankings of the recent trilogy as well. I had it quite I had it a bit higher, I think. But I, I'm I'm happy with it being here. Tom, were you gonna say? I think say I had Last Jedi at, I think I had Last Jedi at the at like third place or something. Yeah, I had it quite high. So how can it be on six? I mean, I put it six, but I can't believe that would it. So if you've all had it higher, I had it then fifth. I had it one higher than this. You had it. You had it sixth. You you had it here, Russ. Yeah. Russ. Oh, we anyway, yeah, Tom. No, you had it. I had it. You had it a sixth as well, Tom. So like, oh, Tom, I, yeah, oh, I Tom, Tom Russ, because we haven't we haven't talked about the Force Awakens. Yes, yeah, we have. We talked about it at the end of the last episode. Did we? Yes. Yeah, we did. I forgot about that. All right, fine. Yes, okay, here then. All right, right. favourite okay, bits cool. from the film. Okay, so, sorry, okay, can I go first? Because go I got it. totally. I, I'm going to go first this because every time Russ would choose the fucking one <laughs> yeah. that I was going to say, and I'm, not let, I'm not letting that happen again. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say that my favourite bit of that, and there are many, many good bits in it, and I have to say, but from a visual bit that made me really sit back in the cinema and go, oh my god, this is so Star Wars is the bit where they where the rebels are all escaping to the moon and the admiral who's left behind um mm. engages the hyperdrive and slices so through cool. the entire fleet of first order vessels and that massive dreadnought and it's just it's it's destruction beautiful mm. destruction mm. and everything it, star wars is about like nick of time you know balls to the wall last desperate gasp and it just looked fucking phenomenal and the way it goes completely quiet yeah. when it happens yes. was a stroke of uh, of genius it was just a masterful moment in a star yeah. wars film well, which, um, and that's that's something else that annoyed the man babies as well because mm. they're all going oh well why why don't you just strap a hyperdrive to an asteroid and use that all the time but it's it's made quite clear in the film that it's hux's incompetence that allows that to mm. happen that they they leave themselves vulnerable to it you know, it would only work if you're at that incredibly close range while you're still, you know, the ship sort of like jump a little bit before disappearing when they've got that sort of pseudo yeah. speed thing going on. You'd have yeah. to be very, very close. And it's just because he was being a dick that they let the ship get into that position to do that. It wouldn't work normally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the point. It's a great moment because of, of everything that goes into yeah. that bit. Yeah. And, and Tom, you'll be pleased to hear that you just took my favorite moment. Yeah, oh, yeah, Tom. That I, is I, nice. I, when when listening to it while editing it, you did kind of get shafted because you were always the last person. To, to I know, I know. <laughs> I'm let, I'm letting everyone else take. I'm I'm taking a bit of a back seat in this. I episode. do like the yeah. um the change in terminology though. So previously we we're going, can you think of one good moment yeah. from these films? Whereas now it's pick your favorite moment. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's maybe, maybe we that, should maybe we should pick a bad moment as well. We've shifted the tone though. Okay. No. 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 Celebrate. Oh, wait. No, what are you going to say? <laughs> bad moments. Keep bad positive. moments. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, fine. Fuck it. Yeah, keep it positive. No, I like Russ's, I like Russ's spunk. Yeah. Okay. Keep it positive. <laughs> That's entirely separate. Dan, what's your, what's your toppy bitty? So my favourite moment in the film. Um, I mean, I'm going to steal the one that you guys want, which is uh, Luke Skywalker as the ghost, like, facing down the entire First Order on his own. It is so... <laughs> 
people fucking hate it, but it's so badass. Oh, like the fact pe- that he's people just, are idiots. It's he's, amazing. He's just standing there, and there's fucking walkers. There's spaceships, and he's on his own fighting these down. They fire everything at him, and then he just brushes his shoulder off. It is one of the <laughs> coolest moments in any Star Wars film, and I don't give like, a shit if, that he's a ghost. If Kylo yeah. Ren had just stopped and calmed down and thought for like 10 seconds yeah he would have worked out what's going on yeah but he can't and luke knows that and is egging him on it's so cool also can i can i say i do love also that what what, um follows that which is basically luke luke skywalker neo yeah (laughs) like basically just dodging everything doing bullet time (laughs) (laughs) he's he looks younger he's got his lightsaber that he didn't have like Everything about that shouldn't work. And there were no footprints. Yeah, there were no footprints. It's just so cool. And Luke Skywalker... Anyone who says they knew what was happening the first time they saw it is absolutely bullshitting. And also... Absolutely. I didn't. Not a clue. What's the problem with Luke Skywalker sacrificing his life so the people that he loves can get away? No, there's no problem with it. Yeah. He's saving his sister. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's stupid. The only the only problem with it is trying to make the little metal dice that hang in the cockpit of the Falcon a thing. Stop trying to make the dice a thing. It's yeah, not no going really to happen. Shit, do they? But they had to do something to loop in Solo. Yes. Who's next? I don't mind. Duncan, you go. I'll, I'll go last. Ah. Um. I mean, it was close with the bit where you have Luke handing the dice. I like that because even though it all was technically kind of imagining Leia's reaction I'm going to say probably the very end where the boy just goes and picks up the broom so cool he's got he's got the he's got the ring and it's the whole story of you know all we need to do is give people hope and he just goes and it's again because this is such a beautifully filmed shot film because it has those perfect you know cinematic uh moments actually to be fair with rise of skywalker there is that moment um of palpatine and you've got the the darkness of the cave and you've got the lightning and the brightness against the uh lightsaber that's brilliant but yeah just that moment it is just because it seals it and gives you that wee bit of hope that going all right here's the launch pad of what could be anyone can be a jedi this boy's a jedi the hope against the first order is is there it's just so nice mm. it's it's it just leaves you with that lovely warm feeling i agree i do agree yeah russ mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna take the bit where kylo ren says they were nobody to ray oh it's so well, that's good actually well. a good one it's so yeah. good it pissed off because so many people. It was I hate. The, it's great. It pissed off so many people. Yeah. But it's the only good answer to the yeah. question of who her parents are. Yeah. Literally the only good answer. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, bonus one, the Porg in the Millennium Falcon when it's pulling all the manoeuvres. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we've never seen yeah. we've never seen gravity affect people inside the Millennium Falcon really before, but it is still hilarious and it's still fun. <laughs> um, and also where uh, Chewie's roasting the pork as well, with the other one looking at it, <laughs> which you know is his it's his mum. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's uh, so fucked up. About, but great. 
what about stuff like um, there's also the the Luke's X-wing Red Five oh. sunk <laughs> into the water, which that, never that's cool. needed to be raised from the water at all. Never needed to be raised from the water mm-hmm. at all. Um, there's also the I mean, obviously the encounter in the throne room mm. between Ray, Snoke, and yeah. Kylo Ren is phenomenal. But yeah. it's like it. I mean, it's it's such a great moment. It can't be your favorite. You know what I mean? Because it's just so well so done, excellent. Um, and actually, genuinely, you got to you got to take your hats off to Snoke as mm. a as a big bad because through very minimal movement, even he is so omnipresently powerful, dark, and evil that you are almost as soon as you see him actually in real life for the first time, you just hate him. Yeah. He is an indescribably horrible thing. Like all twisted and gimpy, and but all f- incredibly powerful. Wearing a fucking robe like Hugh Hefner as well. Like it's, it's like a gold bathrobe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's 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 clearly just like eyes. Oh, yeah. Like here's the thing, right? If they if if it came out that um, Ray was Snoke's daughter, I could believe that Snoke fucked. I, I just oh, don't. I don't yeah. believe the Emperor fucks. Is there something like that, something really sleazy about Snoke that isn't there with the Emperor? It's weird. Yeah, my dear, <laughs> come lay with me by the fire no, on this Wookiee wookie pelt rug. Don't make me wear a rubber. <laughs> yeah, I want to do it raw. <laughs> no, I promise I'll pull out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oops. Alexa, play my sexy mix. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. His sexy mix is just Slayer and Pantera, though. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. All right, cool. All right, let's, let's, move on, let's move on. Number five. I was really angry all through that, but it turns out I actually agree with the position that was in because I thought we hadn't. I, I completely forgot we talked about Last Jedi. Yeah. Number five is... Did we really talk about Last Jedi? No, Force Awakens. Force, no, Force Awakens, yes, we did. Force, yeah, Force Awakens. We talked end. about how great the trailer was, stuff like we that. We were really happy because yeah. it was the last It was yeah. the last I thing we dealt with. I nodded off towards the end. I'm assuming I didn't contribute much. I think you did, no, no, we were worrying. We, we were really happy because yeah. we dealt with five shit films and then the last one we spoke about was really good. So yeah. we were just like, oh, this was great. Yeah, it was really nice. You know, and, we, and it really... Anyway, number five. Uh, top the... line, top line. Keep it top line. Return of the Jedi. Is number five. Oh, so we're on to the first of the original trilogy now. Way uh, too soon. You reckon? For me, yeah. <sighs> I'm I'm now checking Russ because I have these written down. Oh yeah, no, it is for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This. yeah, you did. Um, so, I I have no issue because I'm going into the ones that I'm like. I don't care where they fall. They they nearly. It was so difficult yeah. to actually put these. Oh yeah, these are all like if you took a few steps back, they'd all look exactly the same. It's we're at the same point where we'd be at like number eighteen for the Marvel films. So yeah, so like, yeah. <laughs> we talked about Hulk and Iron Man too. Yeah. We're now they're all amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so like Return of the Jedi is a great film. Um, it's the one. It's probably the Star Wars film I've watched the most. Weirdly enough. Mm. Because I had a had a, a like a burnt out VHS of it like recorded I think on it's, TV. When it's I was the playing. most sort of enjoyably actiony, adventurey one to watch. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know. suppose it's the one. The thing is, um, I think I knocked it down because as I've got older and people have pointed out things that have annoyed them, it's kind of 
sort of lost some of its edge because I love Return of the Jedi because you've got all the ships mm. and you've got Admiral Akbar, it's a trap! And, you know, <laughs> you've got everything. You've got the Calamari cruises, you've got mm. the B-wings, you've got the A-wings. Um, you've got, oh, you've just got everything in it. And then people go, oh, yeah, but Ewoks. I'm like, well, I used to really enjoy Ewoks. And I still kind of do enjoy Ewoks, so yeah. piss off. Well, that's the thing. We grew up with Ewoks. So Ewoks yeah. don't seem silly to us because we watched Star Wars when we were a kid and the Ewoks were just kind of in it. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, and they are a bit they are stupid. Yeah. But... I mean, I don't... Yeah, I know. And I, I, that's why it's kind of gone down is because, well, you wouldn't... Ewoks, how could they take on and win against uh, Imperial Army? And actually, then you think about it, they actually start losing. They do well because they've got the mm. element of surprise and then they start getting massacred until Chewie uh, manages to take an ATST and fucks um, everyone up. Well, I was going to say, funnily enough, actually, in the expanded universe in Star Wars Tales, Ewoks are painted as far more scary. <laughs> um, and actually, like you say, they do they do sort of have the edge when it comes to the surprise attack. But mm. in the comic book, there's it's basically a, an ex-scout trooper recounting his tales of being posted on Endor and saying how it was terrifying because the little bears were incredibly good guerrilla mm. fighters. Um, and actually, <laughs> I love the, that. <laughs> and in actual fact, the amount, of, the amount of his friends that were killed and eaten yeah. by Ewoks, um, you know, it was a lot. You know, they found desecrated bodies mm. and, you know, um, helmets and, and things discarded or turned into ominous mm. sort of warning totems and things like that. And actually, you know, you can kind of see it. You kind of see it. However, well, they, they're kind of they are portrayed as sort of you know like a warrior tribe, aren't mm. they? They have weapons mm. and they, yeah. they obviously know how to fight. They they are about to eat them until just randomly they it turns out they worship uh, someone that looks like three PO. Just just totally yeah. randomly. <laughs> Who then is, tells the awesome sound yeah. effects story? Which is well, yeah, but well, that's great. However, that's that that's bullshit. Like the fact that like goes oh no look we just happen to worship this thing that looks like three PO, that's kind of bullshit. That that that's the one bit of it that I'm that I'm as an adult I'm kind of like oh fuck off there could have been a better there's got to have been a better solution better way out no, no, of this. No, no, no. But but three PO is the golden god. Yes, I know. But like, just how random <laughs> like you, is Dan, that? Yeah. Like you. Well, you know. But it's. <laughs> It's just, I was a god to these people. <laughs> I can I can look past god. a lot of things in in this film. I can look past the fact that Boba Fett dies in the most Laurel and Hardy way. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is the one thing that, as an adult, I look and go, someone must have had a better idea than this, mustn't they? Like, this is dreadful, surely. I mean, for me, the whole film is... Yeah. Is, is always... The bits that I always watch yes. are... Han Solo being unfrozen from carbonite because because yeah. for me him being frozen in carbonite is one of the most enduring memories oh. for me of Star Wars. Yeah. And we'll talk about Empire Strikes Back and there are there are there are things I want to say about Empire Strikes Back because you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but um you know it's it it, it th- what Return of the Jedi did was uh, all the moments are resolutions mm. Yeah, you know he's out of the carbonite. He's back with the group. I love that briefing 
when he is revealed to be a general and Lando is a general and, yeah. you know, and everything's, and it's a resolution. <laughs> they're, they're friends also, again. I love the no, fact that anyone good. can be a general in that army. <laughs> I love, I love the fact that you can be in that army and not have to wear anything but your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you get the little, doesn't Lando have little yeah. pins or something sort of showing that he is yeah. a, and hey, it, I mean, Lando, do you want to help Ab- with the rebellion? Admiral Holdo yeah. shows up for GC wearing an evening gown. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, Lando. Uniform optional. Lando, do you want to help with the rebellion? Yeah, sure. General. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Thanks. You've been here for what? Five minutes now? So you're a general. And I also love <laughs> the fact they have an argument about the Falcon. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and I also love that, you know, that you actually see the Falcon decked out and crewed like it's a warship. Yeah. You know, it's literally going into proper battle. I love that it's the <laughs> ship. It's the ship that deals one of the killer blows yeah. to, to the to the Empire. Yeah. Um and actually, you know, I just, I just, every time I watch it, it's always those bits. There's resolution. Darth Vader finally, finally lets go of yeah. the anger that's been seething within him for 30 years. And actually, you know, it's the love for his son that mm. just brings this release. And um, finally, shackles are, are off. You know, it, everything ends nicely. I, so I know we're going to talk about. Um, Mandalorian. Yeah, this this point. might be one of your favourite things where you start talking about something completely different, isn't it, Duncan? <laughs> yeah, but um, but that bit where you see the turmoil, even though he's only he's got a mask on, but it's the same thing you get in the Mandalorian. You can actually see the turmoil, even though mm. it's a mask. Okay, of when you go, do do I have to save? Uh, do I just stand here or do I save my son? Can I c- cope with this? And then. He, you can see the decision and mm. it's something we don't really it's also we talked about uh how uh duel of fates is probably my favorite is probably the best lightsaber fight i think this is my favorite lightsaber fight just because there is it, it's weird you can tell the ebb and the flow of what's going on just by the way that luke skywalker's fighting in in in, in this lightsaber fight well, I really mean, by, well by this by this point, yeah. you know, that's the point that that um that Luke has overtaken his father in terms of skills, and actually, it's mm. trying. I think they're they're trying to get across the point that ultimately the light side of the Force is a far more powerful no, side but, of the. No, but there's there's genuine rage though as well. It goes from being <clears throat> Luke starting off the whole fight as being cool calm collected he's learned everything he can learn off yoda before yoda just disappears um and then um he comes into this and the emperor just pushes a few buttons that that cause him to lash out and you can tell by his fighting style the way he starts attacking vader completely yeah. differently that he's he's letting us but, but by that point he's already beaten vader once vader is already on his knees and actually mm. the emperor gets up and says good good strike yeah. him mm. down and actually that's when that's 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 when luke throws his lightsaber away yeah. and says you know i'll never I'll, I'll never do this you know and stuff like that and actually yeah. gives in but it's, and it's, it's the bit prior to that though it's the bit where he's like swinging the lightsaber down on vader oh as he he's heading to the floor and, yeah. yeah so so it's it's you see a change in the way he fights you see a change in his attitude and that's the, it, there's virtually no speaking in that at all that is yeah, all done awesome. with 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 the actual fight itself and ian mcdermott's cheesy grin uh, which and is you also have the chair. emperor being yeah. properly manipulative <laughs> yeah. and subtle there he's you know he's pulling all these little yeah. strings and things as yeah. opposed to in 
the latest one where he's just going, yeah. I need you to do this. Yeah, exactly. Do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Go to the Jedi library and get me a book. <laughs> it, might, it might be the most tense Star Wars film as well in terms of just how many tense moments there are in it. Right from the start, right from Jabba's barge. Nah, there, there's no tension though. That's what that, that again. I say that's what's so good about this film is that there isn't any tension. And actually, one of the I think the the deserved winner of 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 this sort of whole ranking, which I, I mean any fool can see what's coming hmm. for for our top flight. There is a Star Wars film that that truly is tense all the way through. I'm talking is... about tense set pieces though, Tom. I'm talking about individual set pieces where you are genuinely on the edge of your seat. So, like, the build-up to the sail barge, even it is, I mean, it's beautifully it has the piss taken out of it by Family Guy when they're all nodding, so nod, when they're all nodding at each other, is, is a build-up to a plan that has been in the works for however long the, 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 the time is between Empire Strikes Back being released as a film and Return of the Jedi being released as a film. So, so we've been waiting for this, or we would have been waiting for this, although I wasn't really old enough to, to, um, to witness that, for, for however many years, I think it's four or five years. Um, and this is the plan that they come up with. And it's a bit silly, but I quite like it. And as a result, you've got moments where Han Solo is, is blind on a sail barge and he might fall into possibly something that will cause a fate worse than death and then eventual death. Um, whilst uh, attacking Boba Fett, who by this point they realise they can sell a ton of action figures for, even though he's a bit of a shit character. Um, and no, yeah. But we do yeah. have to say at yeah. one point that Return of the Jedi for children of the... <laughs> for young, young people of the mm. age that we were when we were watching it, um, Princess Leia in the gold bikini will always hold a certain fascination for men of a certain age, I think would probably be the most fair way to put it. And anyone who says otherwise is lying. Um, I think what I like about it, and I don't disagree, Tom, what I like mm. about it is, though, that, yes, there's the pervy moments, but then she goes on and kills the fucking big bad as well. But that's the point. Yeah. She's so fucking badass. Yeah, exactly. Like, she is, man. She is a soldier. She's a fucking marine. Yeah. Like she, she is even even when she is at her most vulnerable, she is still able to kick ass. That's mm. what's so cool about Princess Leia. And even when she is at her most her aged mm. self in the in the most recent films, mm. she still yeah. can kick ass. She can still marshal a resistance army. You know what I mean? Like mm. she is just badass. She's kick-ass in all of them. I oh yeah, no, she's she's a great Princess Leia is a, an amazing character in general. But oh, as yeah. Phoebe said, Return of the Jedi was when she stopped being a princess and became a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I like that they've got this plan and it was never going to go to plan and we all knew it was never going to go to plan, but how beautifully beautifully everything goes tits up. Like, because everything goes tits up at the same time. And it's such a Star Wars thing that they've got this plan. We're going to tell you about the plan. We're going to attack here, here, here. And while this is going on, this is going to happen. And you know, as you're watching, going, yep, this isn't going to work. Like, this is never going to work because these plans don't work. Because if it just worked, it wouldn't be a very good film. (laughs) But it happens in nearly every Star Wars film. I'm afraid your friends are down on the forest moon. They're walking into a trap. (laughs) Just like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no,
I just love in Family Guy after that bit where where Chris as Luke Skywalker just goes, "Okay, don't have to be a dick about it." <laughs> I mean, like, he absolutely is being a dick about it. He is. He is absolutely. <laughs> and Stewie doing the whole turning over thing. <laughs> my my just favorite two, two dudes sharing an office, you know, who occasionally do it, you know, just running the universe. <laughs> My favourite anyway. bit is still the nods, though, on Bert Jabber's sail barge, where everyone's so just true. nodding at each other, and it lasts about two minutes. It's, it's, it's the music in it. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's so, I, family, so well family Guy might be influencing some of my choices on this, but, um, it, but, but it does. It all it comes from it. a place of love. Like it's clear. Oh, it does. Like it's it, it's it's more of an homage than it is a piss take to to Star Wars. It's because it's mm. done so well that he's clearly watched Star Wars an awful lot. Um, they do they do take a good swipe at the special editions. I really like it where they're where they're sort of like, wait, look at all these digital characters and the sock puppet appears. Just goes, hey guys, what's going on here? Oh. Um, I, I I really like Return of the Jedi just because I say I th- I think this is the one I watched the most as a kid for starters i i think we had a like a, a badly recorded version of tv and this this was the one I, I would watch repeatedly um yeah i, I like it I, I i agree tom i like um i like han solo coming out the carbonite as well because it's kind of that oh thank god <laughs> the, the whole tattooing bit is is great yeah, yeah it really is really big it fan feels it. like a, if it starts with a personal it starts with a personal mm story yeah you know that's what i like about it and then it broadens into a galactic threat which is actually what is so nice about you know revisiting a new hope you know at times is that actually it does start very personally and eventually becomes this kind of galaxy wide opera which is the whole point of star Mm. wars so on that note favorite moments let's go with the person who went last last time russ from jedi uh I think I'm going to go with probably probably something from the Tatooine sequence. Actually, the the confrontation in Jabba's like throne room slash entertainment den with uh, Leia dressed up as the little Yotta Yotta person. Boosh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Love that bit as you sort of realise how many of them are there because you think it's just Luke initially and then like there's Lando there's Leia Chewie's there it's awesome love it yeah I like that mm. I like that uh Dunkey um oh, I mean it's so tempting just to the bit where it goes um just because it's uh I don't know never been done before no it's never been no. done before uh, favorite moment. This is brilliant podcast material. I um, you know the the initial. I I just love the bit. Then they're escaping out of um, Lando in the Millennium Falcon, escaping out again of the of the uh, Death Star, and. It just go. It's just the moment where he goes. That was too close, mm. and he just loses the dish because my toy 
Millennium Falcon lost the dish early on, and it was just it was a nice bit. I just like it. It was just like oof. It's sort of wet, you know, because of the pre thing, not a scratch, not a scratch, and then you you swipe a massive bit. I love that bit. It's the whole escape bit where they fly in, fly out, they're getting chased, and obviously the explosion is going to take out all the um, Tie Fighters, and then you just get the Millennium Falcon spurting out, erupting out of the <laughs> <laughs> Death Star. It's it's a wonderful moment. Mm-hmm. Cool. There's actually quite a lot of moments there in that film. Yeah, I reckon it's probably the fifth best Star Wars film. Shut up. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Dan, your go. Uh, speeder bikes. such a dick. Speeder bikes. Speeder um, bikes. The, yeah. is... the most stupid oh, way yeah. of getting around a forest. Utterly ridiculous, but I absolutely love it. There's genuine tension throughout the whole scene. Um, and it's it's... Yeah, no, it's just fun. It's just silly, but fun. And, and when you're a kid, it's just fun watching people fly off of speeder bikes at high speed and then that, explode they're, they're for no reason. They're an amazing, yeah. amazing sort of concept of a vehicle, yeah. and the noise that they make is incredible. But yeah. you just imagine, hey, rookie, got a, we want you to... Uh, got, got a bit of a job for you. This um, this sort of turbo-powered jet bike that goes at 5,000 miles an hour, I want you to just sort of patrol this forest with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. and uh, quick, quick tip, quick tip. Watch out for the trees. <laughs> it's it's Can I change, ridiculous. Yeah. Can I change my favourite bit? Uh, sure. <laughs> it's actually the bit where um, the, they're trying to break into the bunker and Han just turns, uh, Leia just goes, got the blaster, and Han just goes, I love you, I know. And she, he stands up and she just goes, pew! That is just awesome because that is proper. That's him going, yeah, fine, crack on. And she is just so hardcore. I love that bit. It's just, it's a lovely couple bit because I think it mirrors uh, the earlier, well, it does mirror the Empire in the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, so in the cool. Carbonite Chamber. So if you're um, done stealing all the good moments, uh, no, you can, you can have, you can have. <laughs> now I've got loads. Yeah, go on. Um, I like. I, I'm going to say uh, it's a bit involving the speeder bikes, but it's not the whole segment that Russ was talking about. It's the bit that really shows you how far Luke Skywalker has come as a Jedi, which is actually at the very end when he falls off the speeder bike mm. of his own, and the guy on the other one swings round a tree and comes back towards him. Yeah, he deflects almost effortlessly, like endless blast balls, <laughs> impossibly sidesteps at the last minute and vroom, cuts yeah. the um, the flights off the front of it and mm. vroom, into the into the tree, and it's like Jesus, like he is he is so far beyond what he was in the previous film, where he was just a guy with a lightsaber. Now he's properly a Jedi. Now he's like yeah, well, and you know, I've I've just realised that that scene in Rise of the Skywalker is blatantly nicked from there with Ray mm. backflipping over the TIE fighter. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it's just not as good, is it? Um, no, it's yeah. more dramatic maybe, but actually yeah. like, you know, yeah, basic, it, it serves the same purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. It shows her progression. Yeah. God, that was the one, one of the few bits I thought was original and good about that film. <laughs> Bonus bits, Bonus bit, yeah. I would just say, is the deleted scene of Luke Skywalker making the lightsaber in the cave, like putting the final touches and then putting it into light into dark um, into R two D 2s helmet. <laughs> <laughs> just lit, 
because it's it's cool, man. It's like he tries it out for the first time. You know, holds his hand underneath it to see if there's any warmth coming off it, but shuts it off and then drops it into Ratiduti's head. And then the next time you see it, it's coming out of Ratiduti's head, <laughs> which is a great bit in itself. Just like the, the whole is. bit that sets everything off. That it bit. is. Oh, the Jabba's sail barge bit is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Cool. It is right. Number four. Okay, so number five from the listeners was the Mandalorian. Um, oh. Well, they're wrong. Well, number four for us is the Mandalorian. There we go. Yeah, um, that, that that's right. Where are you at with it now, Tom? Uh, I'm I'm still four episodes in. I haven't watched any further than that yet, because I like I said, I am eking this delicious bar of chocolate, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, eking out my little chocolate bar, my Wonka bar for ages. Mandalorian is like my little Wonka bar. I am taking little nibbles every now and then. And only at the times I need it. So over this weekend, work has given me Friday off as well as the bank holiday. So we've got a four-day weekend. I'm definitely going to take a moment to watch another episode because I want mm-hmm. to see another episode. You know, if you watch all of it, we could do a whole episode on it, right? I do, but then I would have to. I would have to get rid of. I would have to like watch four episodes that I know at key points in my life of depression, <laughs> like that I will rely on to bring me back. And when I say depression, I don't mean depression with life. I just mean depression about the rise of Skywalker. Mandalorian is slowly redeeming everything for me. Mm-hmm. So my thought on the Mandalorian is that where it's fun to watch all the fan service in, uh, rise, in the rise of Skywalker and in the force awakens, uh, it, those films don't quite get the spirit of star Wars, right? My thought on the Mandalorian is it's not necessarily quite as fan servicey, although there is some serious fan service moments in it. It really gets the spirit right in a very different way, uh, in a way to another film that we're probably going to mention a bit later on. Um, it, it's a film that it's a, it's a series that just absolutely nails what we actually liked about Star Wars. And it's not just here's the Millennium Falcon, here's an X-wing. It's it's more about that. We, I love the Star Wars universe, and I've wanted to see more from it um, for quite some time. Um, and and this gives us something completely different. And it's the same thing I love about Rogue One. But enough about why Tom's a prick. I mean, it's just. Um... Sorry, I saw you had Shut headphones. I was, just, I was just, I was just talking to the wife. She brought the guinea pigs in. They're sat next to me. The noisy little twats. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I love that this is an authentic feeling take on the Star Wars universe doing something that we haven't seen before. It's just characters we've never really seen before and and every now and then they'll they'll mention characters we we we're aware of. Um it just works I so love, well. I love that I love that the Mandalorian has a portable carbon freezing unit in his in his ship that he is, I mean it makes <laughs> yeah. it perfect it makes perfect sense. You need to sort of just sort yeah. of squirt on people a little bit, and they suddenly turn into a solid slab. But it's exactly. carbonite. But it's an easy way to transport yeah. your bounties. Perfect. There's almost a uh, oh shit, we didn't think of that moment, like in Empire Strikes Back. Going well, we could we could well that that actually worked. Get it in all the ships. Just get it in all the ships now. That's what we need. Like, well, that's the point, though. Yeah. But even back then, though, like you know, the Tabana gas. Yeah. Um, that's what the carbon freezing unit's for is to freeze gas into mm. carbonite to be transported easily so you know even um 
Vader at the time says this facility is crude, but it should be adequate to free Skywalker. You know, I don't. I, I'm going to test it on Captain Soda. So it's almost like this is now a refined version mm. of carbon freezing. Like you can you can carbon freeze anything. You know, you've got got a pet pet rabbit you want to take somewhere, carbon freeze it. <laughs> just take it in a slab of carbonite. Easier, mm. much easier. You know, it does beg the question of why he doesn't just shove Baby Yoda into carbonite? Well, you don't need to, That's does it? Point. Hmm. Because he doesn't. Do, I think it's more he, he prefers not to because mm-hmm. it obviously must uh, use up supplies and there is it is quite a bulky thing you know otherwise he would have knocked the guy out first but it's yeah. more when it it seems necessary and I think baby Yoda doesn't pose a threat also Mando just like everybody else is absolutely knocked out by baby Yoda's weapons grade cuteness <laughs> yeah and it, there's just no way you can bring himself there to do is it. no he is adorable there is no picture no meme no gif that prepares you for just how cute he is in the actual TV series and like, yeah. so it, wonderful it is unreal and it is so fucking cute yeah have you guys all seen the episode that starts with a dog fight i mean i have uh, no no there's, there's, there's some good baby yoda action in that no i've just um uh, finished yoda I'm just... action mm-hmm. yeah I'm that's, just... what, that's what it's known as i'm just <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm starting episode. yeah i'm only part way th- uh I've only just finished. Well, I've finished uh, three, and I'm just into four. But I, I was hooked from episode one. It's it just went, whoosh, hooked me in. It was wonderful. It was just the the backwater worlds that you sort of see on the periphery. It's what made ta- uh, uh, New Hope really interesting is Tatooine because it it just goes back to that kind of feel, that kind of uh, outer edges kind of um, aspect of Star Wars that. It's actually more the time we've spent in most of the Star Wars universe, but you actually get to see people's lives more, like we saw in uh, in in Rogue One. So yeah, I suppose it's because of the Rogue One feel. I, I really like it, but uh, for me at the moment, I I still can't get over all the Mandalorians uh, jetpacking mm. in. That is just so good. It's fucking. I, um, what I like most about it is that it's it's utterly undefinable as mm. to when it takes place and. I just, I just like. I know that it, you know that it's after the war, mm. but it, but it's so, but it could be so far after the war that you know that they do have authority to now just do whatever they want. They can do whatever stories they like. You know, these are always. You know, he is also rather conveniently on the run, so they're able to have him visiting backwater settlements. You know, and it's very. And the, do you know what I think I like a lot as well is being a a fan of firefly there's a very firefly firefly feel to it as well and the the emotions mm. that that series evoked in me of, of people just trying to get by and the mandalorian is 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 really part of that you know and i love that he's that the mandalorians are now being painted as you know quite selfless people they look after their own but they look after their own they mm. you know it's not it's not like they just are an insular society you know he goes out to earn money so that mm. he can bring it back so that he can advance in the mandalorian way of life and also support the the younger generation coming up as well we, um, yeah. it's it's brilliant and it also made mandalorians more scary than jango fett and mm. boba fett because oh, they are badasses so so i i you hit on a couple of points i absolutely love about it it's it's 
I, I love the idea that it didn't just go from here's the empire we now that the empire exists and we've now got um and and then just go straight into new republic like okay everything's sorted no problems like all planets don't have any problems the empire goes and then all of a sudden we've we've got lawlessness we've got like a real wild west feel to it because because yeah it it, it feels like it feels like what would happen if like an a a dictatorship just disappeared all of a sudden over the uh, over a galaxy of planets and uh and just how how it would affect everyone i'm getting very distracted by russ just waving at everyone i'm oh, sorry <laughs> um, it's tom's fault because he started doing it back uh, <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know what that button did uh, <laughs> um and on top of which yeah sense of community the idea that the mandalorians all they have is each other um and um and and they they rely heavily on each other to to survive but this idea this is almost like uh, after the second world war the the scattering of the nazis there's almost this mm. that that's what the warlords feel like when you see them in this <laughs> they feel like th- they've still got like groups of you they still got units of troops but they've almost become they become warlords is what they've become um, yeah, and like the the client, the, yeah. the Werner Herzog is clearly like a sort of laying low in Argentina type yeah. figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, speaking of laying low in Argentina, <laughs> me and the family watched um, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder in it. Yes. The the person that wins the fake fifth golden ticket. When they hold the picture up, if you look at the photo, from it's a they say ah this doctor something from Argentina. It's a fucking picture of Martin Bormann, Hitler's private secretary, that they use. And I was like, what? I turned to Jody and I was like, that's fucking Martin Bormann. And it it must have been a in joke at the time because you know back in the seventies, everyone assumed that Bormann had escaped and you know to South America, and that was where he was hiding out. It was later found out. Um, that he died because they found some bodies when they were digging a well or something like that and they they tested it and found it was actually Borman but at the time they all thought he was in South America so it was literally a it was a you know boys from Brazil joke it's like it's just, just amazing I couldn't believe it like there is so much wrong with that film so much wrong with that film yeah. it's brilliant but Vinny was just obsessed with all the cool stuff that was going on but anyway yeah it was it was quite funny amazing fucking martin borman man it was so funny so is it um so back back to the mandalorian and why we love Star Wars. (laughs) yeah sorry um well i mean you know i think we can i think we can all appreciate the fact that it's a it's an expensive undertaking it's a technological undertaking and that has always kind of been what star wars has been about it's not just telling a good story but actually how they put that story together and the mandalorian you know like russ was telling us about that huge led screen that they use to to actually simulate proper light and that the the things that they're looking at sometimes like the sunset is just on this screen you know it's incredible technological leaps forward and to be fair lucas arts lucas films disney they they are continuing this kind of you know, importance of the Star Wars franchise for moving things forward, mm-hmm. not just from a storytelling point of view, but also from a technological and and creation, creative point of view. Yeah, the, the difference with the Mandalorian being they're actually, they waited until they could do it right. 
as yeah. opposed to the prequel trilogy where they're like yeah we'll we'll give it a go might yeah. not look terribly convincing but you know got- a former member of this podcast said that one of the major problems of the prequel trilogy was that the actors could never find a sense of place because mm when they were doing their performances, they were just there on a green stage, like, you know, doing whatever they were, they were doing. But then when they suddenly, you know, superimposed everything, there was just shit whizzing around in the background, doing all sorts of crazy stuff that none of the actors are even, you know, aware of. Yeah. Like, if they, you look at behind no the scenes stuff like, from, from those movies, yeah, they, they, they are literally just in an empty void. Yeah. And how they could have been expected to do proper performances is is ridiculous and yet ewan mcgregor dear old ewan regular visitor to this podcast um you know he still manages to pull out of his ass the best performance out of any of the actors apart from obviously frank oz um Mm. as yoda like you know so yeah it's great anyway we're talking we're we're going back into bilious territory here yeah um maybe we should talk about um maybe some of our favorite I was just going to mention about, one more thing from before you yeah. started talking about um, uh, Willy Wonka and then other Star Wars films. So um, <laughs> it's it's direct. The directors they've got in know how to tell a story. They, they've done a very good job of finding directors that that know how to put together a story that works. And, and, and there's no disjointed feeling from episode to episode either. It feels it feels like it's. Um, it feels like it's 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 putting a coherent story together, despite the fact that they've got um, a variety of different directors to come in and direct each episode. It, it, there is a real sense of community. It's it's, I, it's really good. It's really good. Just really really well done. It's it's the attention to detail is mm. is phenomenal and uh, like the you know I just watch. The, uh, it's a it's one that you actually watch the end credits because the artwork mm. is absolutely fantastic it's just it's just so beautifully done i mean obviously that's probably from part of the storyboards um but it's just so and the music is perfect right i was mm. going to say the music is mm. really good yeah. in that it, it really gives you gives you that feel and yeah, and again, going back to how Vader was doing, you know, the, you get the sense of his conflict. You really get the sense sometimes of what's possibly going through mm. uh, Mando's uh, Mando's uh, mind, and it's like, well, hang on, that's that is just a matter. It just keeps on astounding me. Going, you sort of get and know what is doing just because of the posturing, and but there's no facial expression and. It's just fantastic. It's it's uh, the consequences of making a choice as well. That's the whole yeah. thing. Is the consequences of making one choice at one point in your life, and and where that can lead you. And and every episode, there's almost a monster of the week kind of feel to it. To pretty much every episode, like as in something different happens, but it doesn't really matter because it's got this central running theme of this one guy that's trying to protect this little kid, basically. Um, and because. Because he was a foundling, yeah. and he feels this is a foundling, and because he made he made a choice. At one point, he makes a choice, and that just changed his entire life and his outlook on everything as well. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's so well done, and it, 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 and it's got a real sense of it feels like Star Wars as well. Like whereas, I, I kind of think the the latest trilogy 
sometimes lacks some of the heart. I could, couldn't put my finger on what, exactly what it is. The Mandalorian definitely feels like Star Wars. So, yeah. So, there's that. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's, and like I say, it, re- it is rekindling my love of the franchise. After yep. the rise of Shitewalker, watching little slices of this brilliant little series of Star Wars vignettes is just wonderful. Just wonderful. You don't agree? No, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. 100%. I love The Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, it's the most awesome. interesting thing to happen to Star Wars for a really long time. Yeah. And it's... it's I and I think everyone was blind... Until we saw him fucking everywhere. Everyone was blindsided as to what The Mandalorian was actually going to be about. Because I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a cool guy in like a Western setting. But it's actually this guy that's protecting a kid. Like, throughout the whole thing. That's That's what it's all about. It's as much about not whatever baby yoda is as it is about the mandalorian mm-hmm. yeah quite right okay yeah. so i mean it's a bit difficult to do favorite moments though because you and russ having seen the whole thing might have yeah spoilery yeah we'll, we'll, we'll skip we'll skip favorite moments in this yeah because because my, my favorite moment involving is, baby yoda my favorite moment is definitely later on so yeah it's well actually, i mean my my favorite baby yoda moment is from the second episode mm. Which you guys have both seen, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, it's that way he's trying to no, heal. Third, third episode, actually, mm. thinking about it. Yeah, third episode. So I don't, don't think you've not seen the third one, have you? Yeah, I've watched it. So have you seen the one where they are on the planet helping out the villagers? That's that's the next one. That's uh, four. I've, I've seen that one. That's, oh, that's yeah. the last one I saw. That's a fucking. I think I know what you're talking about. That's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That is that is excellent, yeah. That'd be up there. And also the episode that people don't like, I actually quite like. What's that? What was that? Episode six, I think it is. People don't tend to like it very much, but I, I really like it. It's just not oh. quite as good. Yeah. I think. Hmm. But yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Um Okay. Yeah. Alright, well shall we what are we on? We're on number three now. Yep. Uh everyone else they pick Rogue One at number four. Number three. Number three. It's a new hope, innit? It's what? A new hope, innit? A new hope, innit? Really? Number so three is a new hope. Slightly. Well, some things are in the wrong order. But I'll mind. tell you what, Russ, you can stick it up your ass. How about that? But it's. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what we are saying to everybody else. Oh, okay. No, three, yeah, I right. think three, three's. Yeah, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, Russ, about right. you keep saying this, right? You had a new hope at number three. No, but it's more that they're in the wrong order. Okay, fine. I had New Hope at number four. You did? Uh, I Let's have just looking now. Tom had... Um, new Hope at number five, Tom. I did. Yep. I did, uh, I did. Russ, number three. Duncan, you at number four. I had at number three as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I, I think at the time it was released, obviously, it was, it was a revelation, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But by the time I'd seen it, I'd already seen Empire Strikes Back. So I saw A New Hope after Empire Strikes Back, which is a it, a new uh, Empire Strikes Back does Star Wars better, in my opinion. And A yeah. New Hope, um, for me, was always a was something I'd seen rather than oh, it was exciting because it's Star Wars. But it's still a great film and it's still really good, but I just don't enjoy it as much. Um, but it is fantastic, and to be fair, I think it deserves to be ranked quite highly because of its impact on cinema for being where this whole 
malarkey started um because it was a flawed masterpiece because it was saved in editing and all the horrendous stories you hear about it it's it started everything didn't it and so that's why it's special i think you've kind of nailed it though tom we can't we shouldn't be giving extra points just because it was the first one yeah like i i think i think i probably did but we should probably shouldn't be giving it extra points just because it's the first one. Now that being said, it is start to finish. It's probably the most complete Star Wars film. Like it's got it's got a yeah. it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, it is yeah. lean and tight. Yeah. There is very little that you could trim out of that film, and it wouldn't suffer for the loss of it. Mm. You've it got... tells its its own story. It sets up this wonderful world, but yeah. it doesn't. It's not going, and we'll find out in the next movie. It's yeah. its own perfect it's, self-contained little thing it's great it's it's a it's a classic fairy tale just done in space and it's hmm. done superbly in space. in space and it's done uh superbly i mean for hmm. me it was the first it was the first uh star wars film we had it on betamax because hmm. uh, we had a betamax player when we came back from japan still and uh, well, it wouldn't you, have been much use having it on betamax if you didn't have a betamax player yeah it would have been a bit <laughs> frustrating to watch um my dad would still probably try to knock something up that you could still play it on because that's exactly what he does um but there was a switch you could flick it uh on the betamax player so i actually watched a new hope in japanese oh nice which is crazy and i'm not going to try and do any of it because i'll be accused of stuff yeah please don't don't yeah it's so funny just remember the things that i got in trouble for doing on this podcast that dan edited out don't don't no anyway it's it was brilliant um yeah and also one of the best openings of any film i mean you know that opening sequence when you get the the music but it's all the fanfare you get the background story it's like it's just the way it starts as episode four it's like wow my, We're starting right in the midst of a story. My favourite thing about you retelling that, Duncan, is you're retelling it and in your head it's going on to the point where, like, and then this is happening and bah, bah, and you start singing along to the theme tune <laughs> briefly. You give us two notes, got... two notes that no one will be able to work out what that was from those two notes. But at the same time, we kind of, we're kind of with you, though. We get, we get everything you, you've just, you, you've just kind of said there. So yeah, and it's when you've got the Corvette going. Hmm. And then you got the, all the lasers, and then shooting, and then you, it just starts the star destroyer, and well, then it keeps on going. Yeah, you get you get a star, you get a ship, you get a spaceship, and then you get bigger spaceship, and the bigger spaceship is incredibly intimidating. Is he such a, is he such a dick all the time? No, I'm, I'm that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it it is wonderful actually. It's yeah. a, it's a really it's a really dramatic start to the whole franchise, and like like Donkey says that it's it's great. You know the it already starts after the rebellion has done its first mm. crazy thing and now this is the next thing and now you get the impression that the rebellion is on the back foot and they are running um yeah. you know and then all of a sudden the ship gets attacked and then you know you meet Bader for the first time slamming people around choking Fucking them awesome. he's, yeah he's yeah. great and he's, he's scary and intimidating yeah. and that's that's the great <clears> thing about about a new hope for me and actually a film that we're probably going to speak about next i would Mm. imagine in that this is where darth vader is scary this is where darth vader Mm. is the enigmatic Mm. mysterious bad big bad you know and there is no emperor i mean you always get the impression that there's something more powerful because the emperor is mentioned but you never really understand that in a new hope vader 
is the scary one. Moff Tarkin may, Grand Moff Tarkin may feel like he's in charge of the Death Star, but Darth Vader is clearly something else, mm. you know, and you just don't really get it. You know, he easily strikes down Ben Kenobi, a member of a, a religious order that apparently is like, you know, really powerful. You know, he is a, a scary guy. Darth it's, Vader is scary in this. That's so, why it's so good. One of the good things they do about this is the reaction. So you've got a bit on the Corvette at the start where mm. Darth Vader loses his shit because the plans aren't there, right? And he he loses his, his shit. You see, you can hear him getting angry and you can see the reaction of everyone around him being scared and yet everyone in that scene is wearing a helmet. So, like, it's, it's kind of the genius that they've managed to, to convey how scary he is without any anyone having a face like a discernible face it's just incredibly well done it's it's a bit cheesy but it, it works it gets the point across that this guy is the boss and he's not happy with something that's just happened um and uh you he's someone you don't want to cross and then as the film goes on you get more nuggets that this is not someone you want to cross the fact that he manages to choke someone without actually touching them which you know he could earn a pretty penny for on uh, the solar sailor but it's um <laughs> but it's um solar sailor <laughs> force choke me um yeah it's yeah. Uh, harder yeah. <laughs> i can take it <laughs> yeah. um yeah and and grandma Tarkin's he's just the he's the weasley one and that's another way another thing that jj abrams just nicks off of these films You've got the Weasley one and you've got the powerful one. And Darth Vader's the powerful one and Grandma Tarkin's the Weasley one. And then in Force Awakens, you've got What's-His-Face, fucking uh, whatever Weasley he is. Um, and um, and um, General and, uh, Weasley. General Weasley. And Kylo, <laughs> Kylo Ren is the powerful one. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, it's... Dantooine is far too remote for a... Yeah. Dantooine is far too remote for a successful test of the facility. A, a much was it a closer target? It would be Alderaan. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, and you know what? It's really nice. It's great. To, it was great to see. I think in something like that, people like <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry, my wife has just walked in wearing um, <laughs> a, a fucking face mask, <laughs> and I and it literally like looks like. You know, like the uh, like a serial killer, like sort of like crime scene with like paper on the face. <laughs> sorry, I didn't expect it. It was sorry. It was great to see people like Peter Cushion, um, you know, Alec Guinness, a very recognisable James Earl Jones. Even back then, you know, for the audience at the time, it must have been a very cool thing to see. Um, especially also seeing people like Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, you know, new young up and comers in something so cool um, and so new. It must have been must have been amazing to see something like Star Wars, considering what was kind of going at the time. Also, just to have a think about it, like you think about George Lucas's first film, which was what was it? THX 1138. Is that the mm. name of the his first film? Yeah suddenly going from that to star wars like what that that's such a leap there's, Amer <laughs> like, there's american oh, yeah, graffiti yeah. in the middle as well isn't there oh american graffiti yeah. as well yeah and it's like i mean what a leap mm. for a young director yeah. um who admittedly needed a little bit of help from an editor <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but not enough to to recruit anyone for some some of the later films that he made. Obviously, um, <laughs> it's well, yeah. It's the uh, the trench run is is. I mean, it's got to be out in the, like, the top five most iconic scenes in any film as well, for starters. And um, once again, tension. It creates this great sense of tension that yeah. you're not 100% certain he's going to do it. You've seen uh, you've seen the best of the best pilots the Re- Rebellion have to offer, and they've managed to fuck this up. Uh, he's being chased by this guy that at every step of the way has, has, has been just this evil motherfucker. Um, and at the last minute, Han Solo comes in, you think he's run off, but he's obviously always going to come back. And uh, Luke trusts in his instincts to make the make the big play. It's just a fucking great story. It's cliche to fuck, but I think it might be cliche to fuck because everyone's kind of copied it. And admittedly, it copies a lot of other big stories as well. But uh, yeah, big well, stories. Well, that's the point. I mean, it's the it's the progenitor, isn't it? Yeah. So it's always going to have cliche leveled at it because you watch it now and you think, oh my god, it's just full of tropes. But actually people neglect i think nowadays to realize that these tropes wouldn't exist without films like star wars and and i I still go back to what i said just because it's the original doesn't mean it was a good film it is however an important film um and it is it's an iconic and important film and it should be treated as such but it doesn't necessarily mean that out of the star wars films it is i i I tell you what holds up is actually the special effects the entire scene everything everything holds up now um, which you cannot say necessarily for episodes one to three because no, exactly. the I graphics agree. and you know okay so the displays in the uh, the targeting displays and in the they do date because you think well this is meant to be well actually no it does say a long time ago far far away so you could argue that but um, you would kind of think they're in space that everything would be a bit more snazzy but it, it kind you sort of can get away with that um, because they sort of keep it up in um, Last Jedi going, well, this is a rebellion on a budget. So they've they got some big backers and some of the spaceships are really smart, but the fighters would just be bare bones because even the TIE fighters are a bit bare bone fighters. And it is it does give that uh, very much war type um, feel to it. Like yeah. in World War uh, feel type, like the dogfight type feel. Uh, the planes weren't ever yeah. high tech; they were just killing machines. But, but it, but it also, you know, you think about it. There are some really cool lines, aren't there? Come in, red one. Come in, red two. You know, report in, red three. Report in, red five. Lock S foils in attack position. You know, and all these things that would become kind of vital parts of the of the series are you know it's, it's interesting to watch it actually nowadays and realize how many sayings that you think empire strikes back brought to the to the table are actually from a new hope um you know and there, there are great things you know it's the first time we see a lightsaber admittedly we don't get to see that lightsaber get wielded we get to see ben old ben kenobi you know, wiggling his lightsaber around with with um, you know basically two geriatrics fighting, um, you know, at, at one sort of later point in the film, um, and uh, I don't know. It's it's it is nice. It's nice to watch it again. You know, mm. that it, it is. I think it was the first sci-fi film to properly execute the used future. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, you know, like the used future, actually a lived-in, dirty, grimy. We have stuff like silent running and things like that, but it 
it it brings that to life so so well to yeah. the point where it's not it's not really futuristic at all is it there's very little that's actually futuristic about star wars um apart no, from exactly spaceships and stuff but none of them work how spaceships would actually work i had to disappear for a bit have you guys mentioned the score yet no not yet no the score is fucking perfect and it, it's just you know it's a precursor to everything else basically in the film like every other film like even it, that score has influenced everything else in this every other film that we've been talking about in terms of mm. music because you have to tie it in somehow but yeah i, yes. I don't want to judge it on that it, it's, it's just a fucking great score that's all like on, in its own merit it is you got top moments cool uh i'll go <laughs> go for it it's hearing lock s foils into attack position as the rebel fleet uh, nice. is moving towards the first death star the don't know what death don't star. know what an s foil is why nope. would they move None of it no. makes sense. Sounds awesome. Exactly. Lock S falls, which apparently is just turning it from yeah. a fighter into an X-wing fighter, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. They're not S-shaped. They're not made of foil. There's no need for them to be folded up at no. all. No, exactly. Looks, but, looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Sounds cool. Lock S foils in attack position. There you go. Brilliant. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Daniel? Okay. Um, I really like... Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin with uh, Princess Leia and uh, with Alderaan and then she tells him the coordinates, obviously she's lying anyway, but uh, then he blows up the planet and we get the mm. first, you're far too trustworthy just the first mm. like idea that that guy is an evil sod, like far too trustworthy, yeah, he's a douche man. actually, yeah, her, douche. her interrogation, yeah you don't see, you know, you see the interrogation droid and it's got a massive syringe on it. Yeah. You go, oh my, and you don't see anything. You don't need to. No. It gives enough menace to go, oh, that's not going to be nice. There's um, implied violence in the Star Wars universe is done very, very well. There's, there's, a, there's a moment in one of the films we're going to talk about later that, that, that kind of is, it matches that as well. Like, you know something bad is about to happen, but you don't necessarily need to see it because this is a film for kids, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really, really, done really, really well. So I totally agree. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Spunky. Uh, probably. Probably when we first see Vader, when you've got all the rebels, soldiers lined up in the corridor to defend the court uh to defend and just lay as long as possible and i know another film we're going to talk about probably does it a bit better but this was the first and for me is still the most terrifying moment when the door gets blown and then you've got all the smoke and then all the soldiers sort of turn away because it's really bright and then suddenly you've got these shock troopers coming in blasting and then suddenly vader's there and nothing can hit him and nothing can stop him and it is you you've got the bright white of the corvette of the interior of the ship and then suddenly you've got just this darkness and then this kind of contrast of white soldier, just faceless menace. Yeah, it's awesome. Just, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't even have his lightsaber out mm. at that point. No, he just goes. Just uses his hand, I think. Mm. 
he doesn't need to oh no he's following behind the stormtroopers so he's just mm. walking over the dead bodies but it is still the entrance is still menacing and then yeah. of course he does the choke but that mm. first bit is just phenomenal because you're straight into the action is, is it yeah it's great and, and the best thing is we don't necessarily know that there's anything supernatural going on with him yeah, we no. see him we, we just think he's really strong because the first thing you see him do is is lift the guy up by the neck mm. right and he's actually physically lifting thanks, and crushing sound effect. yeah he's physically lifting him up by the neck he's actually doing it rather than like just ch- choking him it's it's up until then he hasn't had to do anything he's 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 pretty chill as Vader, really. But he's like, but he, he uh, for an evil motherfucker, he's, uh, yeah. As you say, it's scary, though. He, he looks scary. I will always remember as a kid when one of my dad's mates turned up for uh, Halloween dressed as Darth Vader, and I ran a fucking mile. Like, because, like, <laughs> in my eyes, that was, for even just a split second, Darth Vader was at the door. It didn't make any sense. Didn't care. Like, I, I ran upstairs and cried. Like, I remember distinctly that happening. So yeah, nice. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, Russ, do you have a favourite? Uh, I think the moment with Luke standing in front of the twin sunset. Yeah. Oh, is, I, is, I... is is a gorgeous little. I mean, it looks beautiful, and it's also it's the sort of it's the turning point for his character mm-hmm. when he's you know he's he's leaving his old life behind and heading heading away from home. But That's also the, the excellent. Which yeah. we hear at really key moments. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. yeah. And then you get the big swell of the score. I, yeah. I, it's amazing. I also like the introduction of the Jawas. But just mainly, only, it's not my favourite. I just like them going, because I do that quite a lot, just in, usually on my own. But mm-hmm. you, if walking around sometimes or cycling, you'll hear me just go, Hootini! It's like a tight moment. Tight. Right. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, So that's number three. Everyone else had one second. Um, Just back up. Uh, Number three. Everyone else had Return of the Jedi. It should have been number two, but we'll let them off. Okay. Well, that's very (laughs) good for you. Because number two for us is Rogue One. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. I it was number one for me. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars film. Now I'm at a point where I it it's it's probably beyond one of my favorite Star Wars films, and it's probably just one of my favorite films now. It, yeah, it's magnificent. It has got a lot wrong with it. There are there are moments that don't really make any sense. There's moments where you're kind of asked to to accept that things are happening. Um, the bought gullets or whatever it is that bit doesn't make any sense completely utterly pointless but it makes up for it by introducing me to what five six characters making me care about them and making me genuinely think they were all going to make it out of it as well um only to have that snatched away to the point where i'm going where i where where i genuinely was heartbroken when they all die Mm. that film achieves more in an hour and a half than most films most series tv series can or most um or, uh, let me put i always compare it to alien covenant because they came out the same year they the, it's for both vastly different films but the the crews 
uh, and the the characters in each film meet roughly the same end and i couldn't give a shit about what happened about the ones in alien covenant <laughs> but i definitely cared about the, the characters in rogue one it is it's crazy it, it, that, that film manages to just introduce us to characters that we will never see again in in star wars except for yeah. again cassian um and gives them fleshed out story arcs that make a lot of sense yeah i mean it, it it benefits by being a star wars film for grown-ups not children yeah um it better you know it benefits with people our age um because there's no sort of pandering to the kids moments in it at all even though yeah. it's only a it's, it's a 12 isn't it i don't think it's, it's yeah. 15 is it um but they clearly weren't going after the the child demographic in the same way that the the central trilogy films have to but uh yeah phenomenal i mean it's just a war movie isn't mm. it really it's um it's a a war movie in space where yeah, eagles the, dare all damn busters type mm. thing it's the it's the first victory against the empire that we saw being talked about in the crawl for mm. the very first star wars film mm. um and i think that's the good that's the great bit about it is it is always was positioned as a bridge mm. as a bridging story between what we saw in revenge of the sith and what we would see in a new hope and it actually does it really well yeah um you know it introduces some interesting characters like dan says that you kind of hope are going to get uh, or, uh sorry i think it was duncan uh, no was it dan Me. saying you kind of hope that they're going to get all the way through this but you know that they're not because it you know the classic war movie is the suicide you mission. do but the film plays on a number of different things throughout the whole film that make you actually think you know what they might make it they might make it this time this in this instance they might actually make it throughout the whole film it's designed to to make you think that they might actually make it and you figure out that they're not going to make it the same time that they do in the film that's what's so clever about it it's yeah from the start you should be very aware that they're never going to make it off that plan that they're not going to make it out this film Um, and it doesn't Mm. matter that that you don't you don't see them again in any other films. That doesn't matter. The Star Wars universe is a big place. They could be off fighting a battle somewhere else. That doesn't matter. But the fact is, yeah, you kind of know that this is a suicide mission at one point. And then there's that one point when you're just like, no, they're not going to make it. And it's done so well because right up until you see the Death Star like looming over, I can't remember the name of that planet, but right up until you see the Death Star looming Scarif. over. Scarif. Scarif, that's the one. Um, and that that is a magnificent yeah. shot as well yeah. the way it's like tilted down so it looks like it's this eye staring down yeah. at them and there's a bit where yeah. you see um krennic like yeah. he makes eye contact with the death star yeah. just before it blows them up it's, it's beautiful amazing it's so well done and then you've got uh Chirrut and base two of the most underrated star wars characters in any film in my opinion those two are magnificent you've got the uh the 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 person that was there to protect the jedi temple doesn't have a purpose anymore because they're destroying the jedi temple uh ransacking it for the kyber crystals and then watches his planet blow up on the way past but at the same time never loses the faith and then on the other side you've got his best friend who has lost the faith doesn't believe in any of it but loves his best friend so much that he will do anything to keep him safe um mm-hmm. yep his faith protects him long enough to make a make a stand and do something really important 
um, and long enough to also give his friend the faith that he needs before he also then dies as well it is fucking beautiful it is that bit makes me cry like a baby it is so well done i am mm-hmm. oh this film they reusing footage from uh, a lost footage from skywalker ranch for some of the x-wing pilots as well just yeah and so just getting perfectly. loads of getting loads of extras of really lush 70s tashes yeah yeah i uh, the the x-wings it's just that is the bit where it really gives a nod to yeah this is just a world war ii movie in space uh, they are just uh, the fact that they're <laughs> the british officers basically hello yes tell you chaps pretty well um it's it's well, that fantastic was the thing that, that's that's what reminds me of um eddie izzard uh with his you know british officers whenever they you walk into room they just go oh oh uh sorry i was just in here moving books slightly to the left uh what seems <laughs> to be what seems to be the problem lieutenant sebastian you know and it, but it was nice i mean it, 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 the whole thing just captured this this air of star wars that we'd mm. i think a lot of us had been aching for um you know that while um the force awakens was a lovely treat and nostalgia in a new area of the in a new sort of era sorry of the star wars universe and timeline rogue one visited a moment i think we all needed after revenge of mm. the sith i think we needed to see the empire at the height of its power um and actually kind of reassurance that darth vader was the villain that we all thought he was because well, his redemption in Return of the Jedi, from a character point of view, will never, ever forgive mm. the atrocities this man has mm. committed through his life. You know, the 30-odd years of being the Emperor's right-hand man and the, the people he has killed, the people he has uh, he's helped the Empire subjugate, the enslave. You know, he is a an awful individual mm. who seems... Who seems... You know, who, who in Rogue One is characterized as annoyed with bureaucratic people trying to save mm. their own skin and prestige. And he hate, you know, he, it's obvious he does not like Krennic at mm. all. Um, he sees him as a nauseating influence. Um, but also, Rogue One did the thing that I wanted to see mm. after, after Revenge of the Sith. Darth Vader at the prime of his power. Mm. And also, those Darth last Vader. 20 minutes, not being Those... a whiny bitch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And the, the last the last ten minutes of Rogue One are probably some of my favourite Star Wars minutes of film ever, because of because of their place in history and mm. when they came out. It re reasserted Darth Vader as a terrifying force of nature. You could you could roll credits the bit when you see uh, Cassian and uh, Jenna so die. Yeah, uh, and th- you don't. it was brought to my attention that there's this beautiful look from Cassian when they're hugging and they don't kiss like they fucking do in Rise of Skywalker. They don't need to kiss. They- these two have been through hell and back to, to get something done. They've managed it. Um, and there's this look from Cassian as they're hugging just as the wave hits and he looks up and he almost looks scared for once. Like Cassian throughout the whole film has been putting his life on the line to save, but- save the, the, the uh, rebellion. Save the dream. But, yeah. But Jan looks. She looks. You, you can't uh, see Jen. it. No, yeah. but yeah. you can tell the. But you see her before you see him. She does. You do get one look, and she just seems more at peace because mm. 
I mean, you did say yeah. that the character development, but their character, each individual narrative arc for each character is fantastic. Ex- Hers is great. Oh, I was about to say, it, except for Jen. Jen. Jen Erso is the one letdown in that film, in the sense oh, that I don't. It, it's never really kind of defined what she actually is at any one point before before so so you get there's it's it's oh god i'm just my own person leave me alone i just want to be my own person leave me alone and then she sees uh, a hologram of a dad going right let's get this rebellion going right like i've always said let's go get let's go get the rebellion going her her character arcs it, it, yeah it makes sense for the film but the, the, that is one of those instances where this was one of those films that got a ton of reshoots um and i think that's where it lost yeah. a bit it doesn't take anything away from it but as you say, Duncan, yeah, she is a redemption story for her as well. So yeah, the, the arc, yeah. the arcs, kind of works. I mean, she start she's she starts off as a criminal. She's mm-hmm. locked up, and I think she feels a wee bit used because all they wanted was an audience with uh, Forest Whitaker's table mm. as he was eating <laughs> as much because he he, mm. he he enjoys himself in that movie a bit too much um <laughs> he's just like yes i'm another wise old mm. old wise character that's about to die but he's fantastic in it but you know she feels a bit despondent and then want starts wanting to help and the conflicts are going hang on we can save my dad we can save my dad and then realizes cassian is probably gonna kill him and the, the, all those conflicts in there hmm. um I think also what it what what it brought home for me was how um, the Death Star in A New Hope is almost like an inconsequential thing. It's mm. like a it's it's they're, they're sort of like you know for the Emperor it's always it's set up like this is now the Emperor's will personified. You know it's like this is this is our battle station. We've just made it and and we're the Emperor Empire, so we can do that. Whereas in Rogue One, it is very much painted as a you know it's been a colossal undertaking. Mm for the empire mm. to get this battle station ready and that actually the weapon itself is powered by crystals that are so unbelievably rare these days that mm. actually it it represents a massive financial and you know sort of political sort of insurmountable bureaucratic mm. nightmare yeah, all the, all the infighting between krennic and tarkin yeah yeah that's that's beautiful as well because it just shows how uh, ambition is driving this whole thing like ambition is what is has got them there two people that that ambition means more to them than countless lives that that's more important like it's 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 creating the atomic bomb and being happy that your ambition got you to creating the atomic bomb uh it is creating this this giant weapon that can kill planets and being proud of yourself that you created a giant weapon that can kill planets, and then proceeding not to use it just as a threat, but to actually use it to destroy planets, because you're the person that got there. You're the man, man that managed to make such well, a terrible I d- weapon. I do like the fact that it, um, you see it operating at different uh, mm. levels, yeah. like power levels. Are going all right. Let's just let's just see at a low, lowest level what it can do, and it's basically a nuke. Yeah, and just wipes out stuff. I, so that is brilliant. I like that you never see it travel anywhere because it would look stupid. Like yeah. you never actually you see it, you see it rising over the horizon, but you never see it traveling from planet to planet because that would look pretty dumb. 
I always imagine yeah. it would be a bit like watching High Charity yeah. uh, from Halo arrive out of out of well they call it slip space yeah. don't they it just sort of like it just appears yeah. and actually that that's that's kind of the thing the Death Star is this looming threat in, yeah. in Rogue One it just like Russ says it just appears mm. hung over the planet um, and I love that it's it they've actually you know taken the time to to actually you know, if, if something like that appeared in our orbit, it would be tinted blue because yeah. of the way our atmosphere filters the sun's light coming in in the same way that it is filtered the color of the sky of the planet that they're on. Mm. You know, it is it is the outline of something looming above the planet. You know, the Death Star, or as they call it, the DSO-1 mm. is, you know, a, a terrifying um, but incredibly wonderful looking um, threat. It's... Yeah, it's it's great. It so, just makes I don't know. It just did everything right. Yeah. It, it did, you know, from in, from my opinion, it did everything right. And like so, I say, those last five to ten minutes just. But brilliant. it would still be it would still be my favorite Star Wars film without those last five to ten minutes. This this mm-hmm. film is think, fantastic. Hundred. Do, do you think? Do you think though it would necessarily have? I mean, look. I mean, yeah. I, I got to say, I was I was gripped all the way. Mm. I didn't realize what was coming, and then that suddenly, like last five minutes, just I was blown away because mm. I just thought, "Fuck me!" Like it's not it's not just that this sits between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Mm. That moment is like that. This is this is literally seconds before the the next film yeah. starts. Yeah. But you only, you only realize that right at the end. I think yeah. it's I think it's a nice bonus though. Like it does it does an awful lot to undo a lot of damage that was done by the prequels. But but yeah. as a film it just works so even without that it works so so well. Like it, it it's the it's the cherry on the cake is what it is. It's 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 that final moment where like going, so you love this film right have this moment as well. And you're like oh for fuck's sake this film is excellent. And it's <laughs> and it it's and it, as you say, it just ties it together. Like, at no point do they meet Darth Vader. At no point do they have to meet Darth Vader. Like, it, it just works. Like, the, the narrative ties it together from, well, so he is now pissed off because he's got to get up out of his little tank and he's got to try and find, um, he's got to try and find these bloody plans that they've, they've, uh, <laughs> they've not been able to find because Krennic has, uh, Krennic is once again fucked up, and he doesn't he never really trusted this Krennic, so let's just blow him up. Um, so it's it's it. The whole thing is fantastic because it's it's set in a, a living, breathing Star Wars universe that we've kind of come to know and love. Like these are all different planets. It sets up about five, six different planets in the first half hour, um, and it all just feels like Star Wars. It feels perfect, but at the same time, does something different. It treats something that is pretty silly with an awful lot of respect yeah and i i, I think yeah. it, the 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 way i i summarized it to one of my friends at yeah. work uh yeah. who i asked for you know some help with getting my list together mm. said at the same time as broadening the star wars mm. universe it actually focused the story back on what was really important about mm. the original trilogy which was the 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 fight between the rebellion and the empire um, and it's beacons. Darth yeah, Vader, I, I, except, except I would say that this could be about anything, and it could be not related to the the, the, the coming films, and it would still be an excellent, excellent film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I also, I, mean, like I, how... I would probably differ. I, 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 I think my opinion differs on that. I think the last 
the last 10 minutes give it more place and probably save it from being uh, i think probably turn it from being a great addition to a fantastic in my mind uh, but that but that's purely my opinion i, I mean that's yeah uh, the, i mean the other thing it actually does bring in is it fleshes out the rebellion hmm. a bit more that you don't really get until return of the jedi like you sort of get it at the end of new hope because they're in the temple and everyone's applauding and they they've got the base but you don't really see that how many people are actually involved so you do get that last look of alderan who is mm. the biggest supporter but you still get that sense of well there might be still sort of a bit of a council going on and there is obviously division and no one's to it, it, the rebellion is still a bit fresh and young and uh, no one's really sure if it's worth it or are there going to be other ways and i think it brings that brilliantly in and okay. it, it it's not it's not a massive part but it's it's nice because it sets the seeds mm. for later it, on it goes one further than that it, it makes the rebellion feel a little bit dirty as well right from the start when you see cassian yeah. killing the uh the informant because he knows he can't get away and he knows he'll break it it gives it, it it makes it feel like at the at least at the very start that yes they're doing the right thing they believe they're doing the right thing, uh, and they've got people like Cassian in there who are willing to do anything to for the cause basically mm. because he's been fighting this as he says his whole life. Yeah, you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. Yeah. And we've never seen that from the rebellion. We've never seen that kind of like dirty side. We've always seen, like, many Bothans died to get us this information. Is is now like a thing where, so so what kind of situation were they in? Were they in like a no hope situation where they couldn't get out? It's it's. It, or did one Mothma actually eat them? Or did or <laughs> did she send them to their death? Like it's it's it gives the rebellion this kind of. Yes, we're the good guys, but but we're also going to do some some shady shit because at the end of the day, we're a fucking rebellion. Yeah, I mean, look, war is you know it, you know look at look at the inspiration for the um you know it came for the rebellion in Rogue One was mm. very much you know the French resistance yeah. during the Second World War um you know and it, and it's, it's dirty 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 stuff. So favorite moments we've all got to have a favorite moments from this mm -hmm. excellent excellent film um i don't feel like i should go first go first i didn't hear that who went to go first i said i don't think you. i should go first oh, me. you should go first so i fucking love this film um i really like i'm trying to think of the bits oh okay yeah uh, Bodhi trying to get the cable to uh, to bring the communications relay. Uh, mm. The idea that Bodhi managed to get everything working. He's got two people that he's bossing around. He's never had to do that before, but he knows what he needs to do. He gets puts them in the right place, but he puts basically sends them to their death. He finally gets it uploaded, and uh, the grenade just appears next to him and blows him up. Um, and no one knows what he went through and what he's done at that point to get that done and he yeah. just kind of dies knowing he's done the right thing it yeah. is is you can see x riz ahmed is a fucking brilliant actor and and bodhi's one of those characters that's a bit the one one of my complaints about the film there's not enough bodhi in this film because he is played by such a great actor that you want to use him more yeah well he spends too much of it sort of 
wigged out from yeah. his encounter with the strange octopus thing that obviously Which is bullshit, by the way i hate turned that, that out part of it. not to be was, was something that got rewritten or yeah. whatever and they just couldn't they couldn't get rid of it entirely yeah uh, oh, oh uh, one one bonus one the bit where uh k2so slaps cassian andor um and and there's another one if you like that that was entirely improvised by alan tudyk and if you look at um god who plays cassian andor diego luna diego you can luna. look at him he's had to hold his hand up and pretend to like cover like where he was slapped but you can see him losing it and starting to crack up like behind his hand it is excellent it's really funny <laughs> that's a good moment yeah. uh spunky hmm um ah oh. jeez what's his name blind dude i'm having a moment uh, but i can't base base it's base isn't it yeah roots. yeah that's base yeah uh I mean, I do love the bit where I just like him mm. um, because he is such the eternal optimist. Yes, it is ridiculous. I do love the bit where he fires the grenade and takes out a, um, a, a TIE fighter. But mm. I think it's the bit where just before he dies, where he just walks through the gunfire with his mantra. And it's just so well shot. And he does it. And you don't know because it's so tense. Because the way the film has gone, he could easily just be shot because everything's going wrong. And you don't know if he's actually going to do it. You sort of hope he's going to do it and you feel he should do it because it feels right. Mm. But there's been so many little twists that you think, this is another bit that he could just go wrong. He could just get shot. Mm. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't like... It's you're, you're clearly sort of sus- meant to suspect that the force is in some way protecting yeah. him, but you don't... It never it makes totally. that yeah. obvious. You don't see blaster bolts deflecting around him or anything like that. It it should could just be blind luck. You don't know. But it does because the whole thing is surrounded by the force, but the force isn't actually in it at this point. Yeah, so well done, Russ. Yeah, well done. congrats, Russ. <laughs> I did not mean that. That was not deliberate. No, I feel quite bad about it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I wasn't paid. I'm Russ, Russ so. said it could just be blind luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sure, it was blind. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Um, it, it would have it would have cheapened the film if you saw a blaster bolt going well, it's, around it's, him. It's pretty much a Jedi-less film, except for and 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 that itself makes any moment with Darth Vader all that more impressive as well. Yeah. Because, I also think yeah. it it. it, it it brings up the possibility that he's a, a non-Jedi Force-sensitive or Force user, yeah, which definitely. we need a bit more of. He's blind and he's kicking ass throughout yeah. that whole film. So but that does it in a good way, as opposed to Rise of the Skywalker, where, for some reason at the end, everyone starts going, oh, I think I might be Force-sensitive. Yeah, me too, me yeah. too. You know, I'm totally Force-sensitive. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am as well. Yeah, no, we, we were... It's almost like... Me and my wife... <laughs> me and my wife are both Force-sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, sorry. Who's next? Uh, Russ. Uh, so I, re- I was originally going to pick the bit where um, Cassian kills the informant at the start because it just throws you yeah, off yeah. so much. Um, but I think I'm going to go for one of the first one of the, one of the moments where you think, "Oh, they might just make it," 
which yeah. is when um, Baze shoots the uh, the cargo transport thing with the yeah. rocket launcher, and you think it's knocked out, and then the head comes back. Yeah. And you think he's about to buy it just then, and then that's when the X-Wings arrive. That's awesome. It's an awesome little moment, and that's a proper, like, yeah, they're going to do this, that yeah. lasts all of three minutes. And then, <laughs> oh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, I'm, I know it's going to, I know it's obvious. Um, it's, I mean, while the, while the moment where Darth Vader slices his way through the uh, crew uh, of the um, Tanti 4 is awesome, um, mm. and actually genuinely terrifying. Mm. My favorite moment is as he walks to the cusp of the loading bay where the Tanti 4 has just disappeared from and disengaged from. He stares out after the ship as it's making its getaway and just shuts his lightsaber off, his capes fluttering uh, in the in the wind in space, which is bizarre. <laughs> but it's still fluttering the bit, you know, he just stands there and there's just this again like the Mandalorian, like Darth Vader is always good at expressing clear mm. rage and annoyance at what's happening and very much sets up his bad mood where, you know, for yeah. the beginning of new hope. And I just thought that little moment was great. It was, um, like you say, it was an unexpected cherry on the cake, mm. um, that, that made it, uh, all the more sweet, but that moment where he shuts it off and it just zooms straight yeah. in on his mask. Right it's very much kind of going, well, that story's over now, and the rest of this story is about Darth Vader. And I thought that was that was cool. Very cool. I think we could forgive the cloak billowing. Mm. It wouldn't... Obviously, there wouldn't be wind if he's standing in, in a vacuum, but, you know, the cloak would have inertia in it. He's moved. It wouldn't, it wouldn't turn into a solid lump, would it? So no, it, it would I still could... be moving around and billowing around a bit. Absolutely. Hang on. Well, there could be there could be atmosphere escaping from a damaged bit of the airlock or something. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sorry, biggest spider I've ever seen just walked across the floor and disappeared under a dresser. <laughs> so that is that's in your house. <laughs> yep. So that's where that is. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just going to go and set fire to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I um I went outside to hang some washing up and I thought you know what I'm going to sit outside for a bit. I heard this low droning buzz and I looked next to me and there was a hornet. I went nope, going back indoors now. Thanks. <laughs> All right. What did they? What did the? What did our lovely listeners have at number two? Uh, New Hope. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> no no accounting for taste then. <laughs> Aside, aside from in our podcast, obviously. No, no, definitely. But yeah. Right. Let's uh, let's finish this finish this bad boy off with number one. Number one, uh, with the listeners and with us, is the Empire Strikes Back. Yay! Clearly, I mean, unless you're a douche. I had Rogue One, and I, I stand by that. Douche. I stand by that. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the. <laughs> oh shit! There it is. <laughs> Your nemesis returns. Here Pick it up and show it to us. Yeah, don't, don't. Just put it on your hand. Would you just pick it up? Would you, Duncan? What? What are you? What are you doing? He's grabbing. No, the glass. I, I usually, I actually no, no, I don't because I always worry I'm going to squish it, and so I put it on the piece of paper and take it out. I don't want to stress them out. Did you put a glass on it. This is this is easily the most compelling thing that we've done tonight. I had a small little jumping one in the garden. It was lovely. 
How small? And then you get crab like this big. Okay, that's cute. See, see the tiny ones I think are kind of cute. But this one was cute. Yeah. It's slightly looks a bit furry, but it was cute. So the jumping ones are cool because you sort of prod them and, go, doo, 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 and then they can go boing. But they're small jumping, so they're quite fun. And then you can sometimes in flowers find crab spiders. Mm. And then they're ninja stealth. Let's get back to a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. Let's go for number one, which of course is... Empire Strikes Back. For both of us, so yeah, both us and the listeners, yeah. Empire Strikes Back is widely considered the best Star Wars film, and most people had it at number one. Yeah, apart I mean, from it, douches it, like you, <laughs> it just is the best. It's got great action, great story. It's got actual good romance. It's so so satisfying, and it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't even have to sort of be the end of anything it just gets to sort of be nope we start it starts and we're already going and we're going to keep going all the way up to the end one of, I mean, one of the joys of it is that it's despite the fact that it's the middle film i think you initially go into the film expecting some kind of conclusion from it like this like that came out way before the likes of any of the avengers films or anything like that where some films just end on a cliffhanger with post-credit sequences you go into a film and you expect some kind of conclusion even like back to the future 2 which is a middle film has a conclusion um and, and that leads directly into the next film so this the fact that it doesn't have a conclusion is is something of a, of a shock has, has a shock value in itself because it doesn't end in a happy place no it doesn't hmm. um, no, it but has it... it has my favorite lightsaber fight in ah. this one for me is is excellent because of everything that happens during it the you know you get to see telekinesis you get to see aggressive um aggressive fighting you get to see luke trying to hold his own you get to see acrobatics you get the really cool very dangerous looking lift that brings luke into the carbon freezing chamber that has like mm. spiky bits all over the walls you know it's it's just really cool and it's like it's got for me, one of the the, the 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 scene that just epitomizes the whole film, the one that, that just in my head is just the one thing I always think of is is Han Solo being marched into the carbon freezing zone, um, and that whole scene that happens after that, the "I love you, I know," um, you know, and him being him being frozen and taken away. That's 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 the film for me. It's it's love and loss and and you know terrible things happening and and not being able to do anything about it, um, which you, I think is the right thing. You get visual evidence of them falling in love as well, like throughout the whole yeah. film. Like there is, there's always already obviously a spark. There's some kind of like flirtation going on. But throughout the film, they, they get closer and closer. They fall further and further in love as Han Solo is risking his life more and more to protect uh, people that he considers friends and also, uh, also someone that he, he genuinely loves. To the point where, that that yeah, it's you're along for the ride with it, and as a result, when Han Solo is getting tortured, and they do that so ridiculously well, in the sense that you never really see anything, but you can hear it, and it is it is bless you, it is um, it's harrowing. The noises that you hear mm. coming from that room are harrowing, and it's, it it does enough 
to tell you that 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 whatever the electrodes that are coming from that thing that they're lowering them into that that's not a pleasant place to be it is it is a very very good love story for starters between it those is. two as well. I, and also that when he gets led back into the cell with chewy and they he lowers him yes. gently onto the bed and he just says they never even asked me any questions yeah you know and he just looks like he's had a fucking awful time <laughs> it does really really awful time han solo up until that point has been a relatively unstoppable character that seems to have luck on his side like yeah. whatever happens like whether it's showing up at the right time or whether it's just genuinely something he does tends to be quite lucky the luck's always been on his side and it is that one moment like when he's confronted with darth vader that all of a sudden the luck isn't on his side like he he shoots it the first instinct is to just shoot him straight away and it does absolutely nothing and it goes a long way to show that that han solo's luck's running out and also that darth vader is incredibly powerful and he remain Vader remains that big, scary bad. Mm. And actually, like though he's trying to capture and turn Luke, like he does everything to destroy him. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to play fair because you know that. Like you think, Are you all right? Yeah, sorry, caught my finger. Fine, carry right. on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, that, the lightsaber fight, I agree, Tom, it is my favourite as well, because there is, again, another really good classic uh, film shot of the two lightsabers clashing, mm. and, the, you know, the silhouettes. They're silhouetted in the orange, weird orange light, and then Vader just starts going, well, actually, this is not just going to be uh, lightsabers, I'm just going to throw stuff at you. And he's like, well, hang on, aren't you trying to capture him aren't you trying to take him to the emperor you're just trying to completely crush him mm. you're just throwing shit and it feels really unfair and i think it catches you see that it catches luke off guard of that oh hang on but he, this is not just going to be a fair sailor saber i genuinely think it's because during that lightsaber battle that vader because he knows luke is his son it's actually fatherly pride Hmm. Uh, on one sort of twisted level i believe that actually when he thinks luke has fallen into the carbon freezing chamber and just flicks the switch with the force and just goes all too easy and then you know luke jumps out he's actually genuinely when he says impressive most impressive you know i think he genuinely is impressed and, and impressive. as he as he progresses hmm. through that fight you know vader himself i think is uh, is beginning to transition away from I'm just bringing this prize back to the Emperor to this is my son and actually I am be parts of me that are beginning to awaken you know and actually instead of killing Luke I want him to join me and to overthrow the Emperor and so that we can rule the galaxy together as father and son and, you know that's about as paternal as you're really ever going to get from someone who's been through the, the sort of stuff that Darth Vader's been through, he's he's been through some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, the other side of it is is it's visual evidence that um, him leaving the training while in the middle of being trained by Yoda yeah. uh, shows that he's not ready for this fight. So like the, the the whole thing with like telekinesis as he's as you know Darth Vader's throwing thermoses at him and whatnot. Um, it's it's. <laughs> It's it's just visual evidence that that's not something that Luke can deal with because we've already seen that he can't deal with that because he can't pull the X-wing out of the swamp. So like, I like it when yeah. 
when um, when Yoda calls after Luke as mm. he's about to leave, and he just goes, "You mind what you have learned? Yeah. Save you it can." Yeah, you know, it's it's almost it's almost forlorn. And actually, mm. him, you know, Yoda and the ghost of Obi Wan, yeah, literally are almost kind of waving goodbye. They, I think, I think they think Luke is going to die. Yeah, uh, there, and they actually even say, you know, that boy is our last hope. You know, and and Yoda kind of goes, no, there's another. You well, know, where's she? <laughs> oh shit! Well, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the the great thing about this is is that you know, Empire Strikes Back introduced Yoda. Mm. It, it had the Hoth battle scene. It oh, had oh. the you know Luke getting. Um, you know, sort of blindsided by the Wampa out there. It's got mm. probe droids. It's got, you know, it's just, there's so much stuff that is so... It's got the coolest jackets. Yeah. Well, yes, like, absolutely. Such a, that's doesn't doesn't get the credit it nearly deserves. That They, or everyone in that film, looks awesome. Like, every outfit <laughs> is so well designed, whether it's Han Solo's outfit, which leads from the, the big like parker jacket into like the the blue like outfit it i know it sounds silly but they the, whereas the first film looks dated at times with what they're wearing the second film manages to to not look dated at all because they're all wearing like sensible clothes that just suit their characters yeah absolutely. sounds silly it's a small thing but it is but you're absolutely right duncan it's got the coolest jackets and they work in the film the the hoth battle scene though you you it's one of those like in the nick of time things isn't it that, that just works yeah. so well yeah it's another case it's another case of seeing how powerful attacks are that there is very little that can stop them because it's that it's another example of just the strength and the indomitable force of the empire and how desperate it is just tie the, the shoelaces rebellion, together the, exactly yeah yeah hey robot camels <laughs> i love you that know, line <laughs> The, the the thing is though, like it's the, the rebels know what the empire are going to do. Like their their plan, as soon as they realise the emperor empire is there, is not to stand and fight. It's it's what can we do to make sure the evacuation mm. goes as smoothly as possible. And actually, yeah. what that means is we have to fight a holding action on the ground to make sure that we can actually evacuate everyone. You know that that that's literally it. It's not a we 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 do this to win. It's a this is how we survive. You know, we're not going to we're not going to win this one. And, and the, it becomes about the evacuation, the the battle that we see against the walkers and trying to take them down is simply about um, is simply about um, buying time. Mm. That's it. Fire the it nipple is. gun. <laughs> yeah, firing boom nipple cannon. <laughs> it's, and um... the guy runs over and just. <laughs> If if we weren't sure that Darth Vader is the bad guy in um, in in New Hope, you're definitely aware of it in Empire Strikes Back, though. Like, oh yeah, the the the, the difference, the effort he's going to put into finding these guys is insane because he's willing to kill his own people. He hires bounty hunters, um, and also you get this real. But by him killing people, you get this real feeling that he's not someone that you want to disappoint. They do that so well. Like in, in the first film, you don't get quite so much that. You just get the, don't get in an argument with him. Because he's got, he's a bad loser when it comes to, to arguing about whether the force is actually shit. But um, it, it's um, in this one, you get the, okay, so we haven't done our job correctly. Oh, I guess I'll start looking for another job. No, he's going to kill you. He's just going to kill you and then replace you with the guy that's standing right next to you as you're dying. 
<laughs> and listen listen to the performance yeah. that James L. Jones puts in. Like, yeah. you know, even when I, I remember, I misremember <laughs> a lot of lines um, mm. in terms of his intonation. I, that bit where he says, apologies accepted, Captain Nita. Yes. I, in my mind, I, I think it's just, it's just Darth Vader's voice just going, apology accepted, Captain Nita. But actually, you listen, listen, go back and listen mm. to that scene. He actually waits until you hear the crispy yeah. crunching noise from the guy's throat yeah. as he hits the deck and he just very calmly says and, and the inflection is just amazing apology accepted captain leader and, <laughs> and it's and it's actually almost a mocking tone mm. in it as well you know it's like you know vader's not just kind of saying it you know to be sarcastic he's actually mocking and that's why the, I don't, this guy's failure that's why i don't hate his pun in rogue one because Vader has been yeah, all about he's a sassy these bitch. He's been all about these puns throughout the films. Yeah. He loves a little pun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. People had a problem with that. I'm like, nah, Vader's always been he's loved the he loves the puns. It's, it's you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Also you get to see the back of his head, don't yeah. you, during this? This is the first time you sort of almost see what's under the helmet. Yeah, in his little kinder egg chamber. <laughs> yeah. And there's a surprise inside. <laughs> also, who knew by this point that you know Vader could actually choke people through Wi-Fi? Yeah, <laughs> he's got a TP link. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it works. I it's... mean, yeah. There are so many reasons why this is just such a great, such a great film, and yeah. the best of the Star Wars films. Yeah, definitely. Because it's actually on your on the edge stuff there isn't that much of a let up it is it is that it is that great it's just a chase film all the way through mm. um okay so the let up is i suppose luke doing the the training um but still that's quite intense because it's all dark and it's quite desperate and it's gungy and you sort of share that thing of well hang on this doesn't feel like a place to, you share that idea that this doesn't feel like a place of a where a Jedi would train and a, how good Yoda is as a Jedi master and and then you go back to the action and actually uh, when you've got Lando cutting and letting the, everyone free and I love the guy with the headphones um, he's Lobot yeah Lobot. Um and when Chewie gets free, that's a proper Wookiee rage. That's mm. Wookie, that's Wookiee rage, and Han's not even dead yet. Mm. You so, know that is a good rage. So yeah, it's a chase film, and if they didn't have the scenes with with Luke going to um, Dagobah, it, it, it would just be too much. So like yeah. the, the, those scenes break up the chase really nicely and when it comes back it's always intense they're always in the middle of doing something intense um and like it works really well it's, yes it's a really nice change of pace at any one point um it, otherwise it would just be kind of like you know gravity where it's just a, a, a succession of things where you're on your edge of your seat but at the same time you're like fucking hell just this she has not had much luck um <laughs> which is it's a great film but it, it would be a very different film it, the both the change of pace helps you focus on what's going on in any one scene and it works really really well and you start seeing more of the different it's the first one where you really see different 
imperial vessels and that mm. is so cool i mean the, the long short of it is they needed to sell some more toys so yeah, it's well, it's it worked didn't it yeah 100 <laughs> percent. one of the first toys i ever really wanted was a snow speeder because they look fucking awesome the snow speeder one of the first awesome. one of the first i wanted was a tie bomber oh yeah exactly mm. yeah but the the, the it, 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 it's so much more than like a Transformers like uh, we've got to sell some more toys they just they fit them in quite nicely to the point where you want all of the action figures Boba Fett despite having like three lines becomes a character that people genuinely seem to love Don't really also get his voice his voice was better in the original 100% cut. agreed yeah what if he doesn't survive he's worth a lot to me and, and he, he just sounds more like a bounty hunter doesn't he yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and also the the bit where Vader's talking to the bounty hunters and just turns to one and goes, "No disintegrations." It's just a funny line. It's it's such a <laughs> it's such a. Um, so you've got a reputation for disintegrating people. So I'm going to tell you right now, or or even that <laughs> even that he's used him before, and um, he's disintegrated someone that he was actually just trying to find. Like yeah. I'm going to tell you again. No disintegrations, okay? Because <laughs> we can't have that this time. I really need this. I, boss, tell me you're listening to me this time. Yeah, look at my look at my eyes. I can't. You can't see them yet. But it's but no disintegrations this time, please. Okay, it's that kind of feeling that obviously he's he's either got reputation for disintegrating people or Vader's hired him before and he fucked it up. And it's like well, either the, way is man- fine. Yeah. But, but the Mandalorian gives uh, gives us a nice little um, a look at this, isn't yeah. it? Is that is that actually he disintegrates quite, yeah, exactly. quite a lot yeah. of yeah. quite a lot of people, and actually maybe it's a uh, maybe it's Vader sort of looking at Boba Fett, kind of going, you know, you're a Mandalorian, so yeah. you know, I know what you guys are like with your disintegrations. Like, you know, I want them alive. Yes. No disintegrations. Yeah. You know, this is this isn't a, this isn't an assassination. This is literally bring them to me. I I'm not fucking about find... here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But also, like, you know, even Boba Fett, he's, he's characterised as a smart cookie because yeah. he, you know, Han is smart enough to know that he can clamp onto the back mm. of one of the Star Destroyers and just float away with the garbage. The um, and Boba Fett is actually f- smart enough to know that Han Solo might be smart enough to know mm. that you can do that and actually does eventually track them. Although the weird thing is, doesn't fly very far away from them um, <laughs> when he follows them and yet still remains undetected and gets to Cloud City first. I don't think they've got mirrors, have they? They, they do hit hyperspace no. as well, don't they? Yeah. So he follows well, them through hyperspace? They, no, because the hy- their hyperspace... Um, oh, it's not working, is it? That's why they've got to go to Cloud City, yeah. Yeah. Good point, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great film. It is, it is an excellent, excellent film. So let's do what we've always done to hmm. celebrate this one final last thing. Let's go for a favourite moment from our favourite Star Wars film. Okay. Uh, let's start with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, because it's because it is about as much about the love story as it is about Luke, mm. the argument that Han Solo and Leia have mm. um, in the tunnel in Hoth uh, on Hoth is 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 really heartwarming to me. Especially when she goes, you know, so we need. And he goes, oh, we need. Uh, what about you need? And she goes, I need. I don't know what you're talking about. And he just goes, probably do. And walks away, like <laughs> literally walks away from her. And I just think, you know, it's it's great because that, that's where this all starts. And there was 
a little bit of sort of attraction between them in the first mm. film, but in the second film, it's very present, almost from the outset, um, and it, and it's almost it's followed. Uh, sorry, it follows that excellent conversation he has with General Raikkonen, mm. um, where he says, you know, um, well, the bounty hunter I ran into at Ord Mandel changed my mind, and the guy goes, well, yeah, General sort of says. A death mark's not an easy thing to live with. Well, you're a hell of a soldier, Solo, and I hate to lose you. You know, good luck. And and they sort, you know, and he has that kind of official conversation, mm. and then deals with the personal shit straight after. I just think that's mm. perfect. Really lovely, pitch perfect moment. So that's me. Uh, lovely stuff. Russ, you next, my dear. Uh, I will go for the reveal of Yoda on Dagobah. Yes. Um, when he turns up just dicking Luke around <laughs> either out of a way of probing his character in some deep meaningful way or just because he likes fucking around with people when he, but like yeah, when he's raiding through his little pack and flinging everything around and <laughs> nicking, his, nicking his chocolate bar and whacking R2 with a stick and he just suddenly turns turns around and starts being all serious at him that um, is good I, I really enjoyed that, that. <laughs> and like, can you imagine, can you imagine like the first time you know not knowing who Yoda was, hmm. and the first time you saw that and you realised, oh, this little wrinkly dude's Yoda. That must have been very cool. I yeah, don't, I don't remember to... seeing this one for the first time. Hmm. No, I'm trying to remember back whether I was. I think I watched it because I got it. I got given Empire Strikes Back on VHS by my grandma. Um, in like a bag of other things and I remember on I think it was on Boxing Day everyone else was doing other stuff and I just sat down and was like right I'm gonna fucking watch this film and um <laughs> just like that <laughs> yeah fuck it I'm gonna yeah. fucking watch this and, you can't yeah, tell me what's what to do I'm gonna like. watch this fucking film no, nobody, nobody's stopping you <laughs> yeah. that's yours that's, yeah, that's, watch it. it's what I was like when I was just over 10 years old <laughs> walking around just said I'm gonna fucking watch this film you fucking stop me fuck your Christmas lunch jeez <laughs> <laughs> I can't I don't want your fucking cold cuts. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I I love that. Yeah, it, was, it, yeah. it must have been it must have been a surprise that first time round. Um, Dan, you, uh, I always I always freeze at this point. There's a little bit that I really love, which is the bit when you've got the captains of the star destroyers reporting in as they're in the asteroid field, <sighs> and. It's just the way that one of them just disappears is just absolute <laughs> genius. Yeah, it's just After absolute going, genius. Oh, yeah, clearly see something coming through the windscreen. Yeah, like so because because Vader's obviously just sent them. He doesn't care. He cares more about recovering the these rebels than he does about his own people. And he's willing to sacrifice them, but they're A still capital doing it. ship. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just. You know he's willing to go to any length, but that that bit kind of sticks. With... I'll tell you what, Duncan, you can still have that if you like, and I'll edit that out because I'm actually going to go for the snow speeders. The first time you see the snow speeders, kind of like cresting over the horizon, and then mm. like I don't mind. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, when they're what well, when they're going to rescue Luke, Han. Luke and Han? Yeah. Just I love cool. that. Yeah. The, the the score, you know yes. the. It... It's such a good, good bit of tune. That yeah. is so good. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, the whole Hoth mm. is uh, the whole, not just the escape, but the the battle. Mm. 
um dan you can keep the the asteroid belt is my favorite bit that that one bit you described perfectly is just so good um but yeah i'll take the snow speeders when they do do the rescue because oh do i reveal this yeah all right um this is this is how star wars has influenced me this is why I like snow so bloody much. And this is why when I was 10, whenever it snowed, I really wanted a big snowball fight because then it could be like the planet hot. Every time now it <laughs> snows and there is a lot of snow, I pretend I'm bloody Han Solo with my hood up and stuff all kitted up going, I'm on a snow planet. This is hot. And I just basically do that in my mind. I can be walking along going, yeah, Star- I will just have Star Wars. I will have Hoth in my head. And it's the rescue bit. It's the snow speeders coming going. Uh, we've got a visual. Or usually it's the bit where you get Han and Chewie taking out that probe droid because that is fantastic. I love the probe droid bit. The two of them stalking it. And you think, have they succeeded? Have they not succeeded? Has it seen us? Has it not? And you got the amp, nope, nope. Uh, sort of coming in that is fantastic hands gear is just so yeah and it's like yeah wookie boom <laughs> i can't describe it i'm getting too excited anyone else think that duncan <laughs> was going to say that it's when he got where he's going through the oh do i admit this oh i don't know anyone else think he was going to say he fucked a toy snow speeder because that's where I, that's where my mind was going no, no. my i wish i kind of envy that level of um yeah almost like youthful exuberance that you still have duncan like well, that, that every... you still find that joy in that kind of thing because to be quite honest with you snow's a cunt <laughs> still love it i fell over in a in an alleyway once and i couldn't get back up until two <laughs> until two hoodies came along and one of them i'm not kidding when you're at me and i went i can't get up <laughs> and and him and his 16 year old mate picked me up and put me back on my feet and literally went there you go old man <laughs> and walked <laughs> off and i was like ah oh. no, <laughs> it's happened i'm really old all of a sudden I mean, yeah, just all you... of a sudden it's caught up with me <laughs> no i mean the snow's taken me out on my bike quite a few times it's it's yeah it's a bastard it's shut stuff down but still love it still and love uh it. wrecks my yeah. fucking car is what it does <laughs> so yeah, there I mean, we go so yeah, there we go so... i mean look we are we have gotten to the top of the pile we have done all 12 of the uh well of the films plus mandalorian that we plan to rank <laughs> over the over the space of two very long podcasts i know this one had an epic battle uh with me versus a spider duncan and i had to go and have a piss at one point you know it's been a it's been an epic recording session um I just wanted to thank all of our listeners for sending in their rankings because uh, that's what's made mm-hmm. this really nice to kind of parallel our list with your list. There's been some differences, but in the main, it's quite clear that some of the big um, the big films are in the same places. And, and of course, Empire Strikes Back at the very top of the pile. So I just want to say thank you very much to all of our listeners. I'd like to say, if you do want to interact with us on any of our social feeds after this epic thing, if you if you think some of these things were in different orders, or you you should you know, or you want to share some of your favourite moments from some of these films, hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The handle is at tmtoh, and don't forget to check out our sister pod, Theatrical Cut. They're on Facebook and Instagram under the handle at Theatrical Cut Pod. It's time for me to say goodbye to Dan. Goodbye. goodbye. 
Goodbye to Russ. Ta-ra. Goodbye to Duncan. Ciao, babes. It's goodbye from me. May I say, may the force be with you all. And on that note, let's cue the music. <laughs> <laughs>